3: Listen to Uncanny USA
4: wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
2: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Radio.
5: Good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Dreary morning out here in Los Angeles. I am your fearless host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live. From the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of those shows, you know, where you, you get so prepared and excited because you're going to talk college basketball. And we never, never get to talk college basketball during the regular season It's because so much else is going on. And then history happens last night. And it's one of those moments where your phone's buzzing off the hook. You guys know me. I grew up in uh, Virginia. And I had a ton of friends who went to the University of Virginia. And they're texting me, like, 10 minutes left in the game. Jason, don't kill us tomorrow too badly. Don't go in too hard. And, I mean, everybody knew it. It was an incredible night in college basketball. An incredible tournament so far. I hope you're like me. In the first two days, you do nothing but watch college basketball. Uh, Speak for Yourself on FS1 was dark on Friday. So I had the joy of sitting at home from 9 a.m. on the West Coast, watching college basketball all the way to the end of the night. And, of course, the UMBC upset of Virginia was the number one story. It's the number one story in sports right now. Okay, a lot of NFL free agency stuff happened. That all doesn't matter because right now, all anybody can talk about is UMBC beating Virginia in in one of the historic upsets in sports, and and I and I want to start the show here. Everybody says upsets are great for March Madness. Oh, that's what gets people tuning in. Yes and no. Okay, I you you know on this show I like to challenge the way you guys think about things, view things from a different perspective, and and let me just say. last week's show where I talked about the Scorpion and the Frog, I heard from more people about that than anything I've done in a while. So thank you for listening, whether it's a podcast or this show live. But this week, I don't know that you're going to agree with me as much as you did last week. Because here's how I want to view this upset of UMBC just throttling Virginia, the number one overall seed in the tournament, okay, by 20 as 20 point underdogs. I think they closed to 20 and a half, so it's the biggest upset, uh, second biggest upset in college basketball tournament history. Um, we'll get all into the numbers and how many people won big bets, and we don't really care about your brackets. But I actually think the UMBC victory over Virginia w- was just not that great for college basketball. When you look at the big picture, now hear me out. In the NFL, the league wants parity. That's the number one object. They want everybody to have a shot at the Super Bowl on the first Sunday of the season. Well, basically everybody but my Jets and the Cleveland Browns, but you you get the point. Okay? Uh, 75% of the league is is eligible for the playoffs in November. Okay? That's just not the case in any other league. It's really a tremendous thing how the NFL set up parity. And every year you get new meat in the playoffs, whether it's uh, the— Jaguars this past year, right? Jaguars made the playoffs. Buffalo Bills snuck in. The Vikings went to the NFC Championship game. Eagles won the Super Bowl. Uh, Basically, parity is a winning formula for the NFL. Now, you look at the NBA, it's the opposite. It's a star-driven league. Magic, Larry, Jordan, Shaq, Kobe, LeBron, Curry, Durant, stars drive the NBA. So the NFL's parity, stars drive the NBA. That's why when you can have uh, Cleveland meet Golden State, okay? Weak franchises Uh, in the big picture, in the markets. When you can have them pull off ratings that are the best in 20-plus years, it's a star-driven league. Stars sell jerseys. People show up at the arena an hour and a half early to watch Steph Curry dribble a basketball, okay? There's been one NBA team in the last 40 years that won a title with no stars. Of, of course, the 2004 Detroit Pistons. So, NFL parody, NBA stars. College football is what? Sam, you're a big college football guy. I would argue coaches are the stars of college football. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. You got Saban, Harbaugh, Urban, Dabo Sweeney. Coaches drive the narrative in college football. Yes, you have Notre Dame, a legendary program, and Florida State. But by and large, it's coaches in college football. So you got NBA parody. I'm sorry, NBA stars, NFL parody, and college football coaches. So where does that leave college basketball? Well, I would argue it's the tournament. The NCAA tournament is the star in college basketball. The best players are gone after a year. And pretty soon, the best players are going to be skipping college altogether. That's probably happening in the next couple years. You could argue the coaches are, are, are big time in college basketball, right? You got Coach K... Calipari, Roy Williams, but the NCAA tournament is bigger than those coaches. Okay? I don't know if you guys saw this incredible stat this week. The St. Bonaventure-UCLA game, the play-in game, was the most bet on college basketball game of the season. A play-in game between two teams with maybe two players you'd heard of. That was the most bet on college basketball game to the in the season to that point. Okay, so the tournament is the star. The problem is the regular season, it's kind of lost interest. Uh, nobody's that into the college basketball regular season. It barely moves the meters. Now you get to the tournament, and everybody's soup to nuts. You're watching games. It's like nothing else is happening. My son's got a birthday party this weekend, and I'm, like, looking at the schedule. I'm like, all right, what game are we? Gonna, am I going to be able to watch it on my phone? You know, it's the tournament is the star of college basketball. But in the tournament, you need the good teams to advance for the tournament to be great. Yes, everybody gets excited about a Cinderella, a Florida Gulf Coast for a week, Uh, Valparaiso. People get excited about them for a week. And listen, maybe an underdog, a Cinderella, will will get on a run and, and it will vault the program into the stratosphere. Remember Gonzaga way back? They had an awesome run, I believe. Casey Calvary. Uh, Led the charge. They had a kid named Dan Dickow. Gonzaga used one March Madness run to become an elite program. And they've been been at the top for, what, 20 years. Wichita State had a great run to the Final Four. They are now an elite program. VCU, Davidson, thanks to Steph Curry. So the tournament can really vault programs into the stratosphere. But here's why UMBC beating Virginia isn't great for college basketball. Okay, big picture, big picture. Three reasons. Number one, listen, everybody knows what the three-pointer's done to basketball. The NBA has flipped on its head. The Rockets are shooting 53s. The Warriors only shoot threes. I got people who like the NBA say, man, it's not that watchable. All it is is threes and layups. Now, to me, high scoring, good pace, good tempo, I'm into it. But I know a lot of people are turned off that everybody's just shooting the three. Well, if you saw UMBC last night, they were 12 of 24 on threes. We know that to take down Goliath, you got to make threes. That's obvious. But now, essentially, this was against the best defense in the country. So if you're a small school out there, whether it's you're a Marshall, and we will talk about Marshall. If you saw their game yesterday, boy, keep an eye on Marshall Sunday. Okay? you Whether you're Marshall, UMBC, you absolutely. Remember that VCU run a few years ago? You just got to jack threes. That's the only shot you got. Did anybody see Bucknell last night? They're getting waxed by Michigan State in one of the worst beats of the tournament. They're down 16 with two minutes left, and they just start flamethrowing threes. Just boom, boom. Make like five threes in the final two minutes, blew the cover. It was incredible, unless you had Michigan State. But bottom line, what we saw last night from UMBC is going to make everybody, everybody say, listen, we got no shot unless we're jacking 25-30 And if you think the three-pointer has changed the NBA, you just wait. This is a UVA defense. Nobody scored 70 on them all year. They played Duke, UNC, Syracuse. Uh, UMBC scored 74 on them. Virginia was down 16 in the second half at one point. They were like, biggest deficit of the season. I'm like, what is going on here? So the three-pointer, I think what we saw last night, UMBC said to every underdog, all you do is shoot threes. That's it. That's all you got to do. And, of course, if you're UVA, they shot four of 22 from deep. Listen, Tony Bennett's a great coach. He he instills awesome defense there at UVA. But, listen, it's back to the drawing board. Everybody has to look at that game and say, listen, it's three-pointers or nothing. You measure college basketball greatness by titles, Final Four trips. Bennett has none of them at UVA. Nobody cares how good his defense is. If you're not shooting threes, they're not watching you. You're not winning. They're going to run Tony Bennett out of Charlottesville if he doesn't turn this team around and start making three-pointers here in the coming years. This defense is not going to cut it. So that that's number one. I think the three-pointer is going to absolutely take off in college basketball like we've never seen before. So number two is all right, UMBC won, they play Kansas State on Sunday. Well, I got some news for you. Ready for this? The only NCAA tournament game Sunday on True TV. You guessed it. Kansas State UMBC. Relegated to the third TV in the corner. Not CBS, not TNT, not not uh TBS, not CBS. True TV. Kansas State UMBC, okay? I I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb here that's one of the lowest rated games of the weekend. I know people were losing their minds Friday night, but come Sunday, you go through. You, if the weather's nice, maybe you're golfing, you're watching games. At some point, you're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, what? How did UMBC do in their in their second game?" You're not. It's true TV. So so now you've got a bad game, second round, and you you really open up the bracket for Kentucky. But I think what really hurts about the UMBC win, big picture, is you just knocked off one of the unachievable landmarks in college in college basketball, and really in all of sports. Number one seeds were 135-0 before the Virginia loss. 135-0! and 0. The myth and the, uh, the aura of number one seeds. Oh, they're going to steamroll through the tournament. They're 135-0. They're and 0. They're going to get to the Elite Eight at least. That's over. You know when a baseball player gets a hitting streak and he's up to 30 games, what do they say, Sam? They're like, oh! He's not touching DiMaggio. I mean, this is great, but he's not getting Joe DiMaggio. And ultimately, everybody flames out 34. Paul Molitor, I think, got in the 40s. Maybe somebody touched the 50s. Now that a number one seed is lost to a, to a 16, nobody's even going to bring that up anymore. It's not that interesting. It's happened. It's a little depressing. I mean, we, we've we seen number one seed struggle. Uh, I'll never forget a number one seed, UConn was down double figures in the second half to Albany. That made an awesome comeback and won by double digits. Um, But all you've got left now in college basketball, the one hallowed mark is, can anybody go undefeated in a season and win the title? Okay? Hasn't happened since Indiana, way back in the 70s. I mean, Wichita State was undefeated a few years ago um, and lost, I believe, Kentucky, second round. Uh, You had Kentucky undefeated, got to the Final Four. That's something people can rally behind and get excited about. St. Joe's with Delonte West and and Jameer Nelson. But but that number one seed never lose thing, it it really hurts. I I just feel it stings as a huge tournament guy. You know, there's a reason every year the 1972 Miami Dolphins pop bottles in like week 13. Nobody's touching us. Yeah, Yeah. And it's a story. There's now no story about number one seeds. Virginia, you done did it. You lost by 20. I I, I know I'm probably on an island here, but just watching the game, thinking about the big picture, I don't think the UMBC win is great for college basketball. You may disagree. I'm not giving out the number because I don't want the negative calls. I got too much stuff to get to today. I mean, coming up next year on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio, I just wonder, where does this upset rank in sports history? I mean, Eric and Sam are here with me. Now listen, I'm reading about this Russia USA hockey. I'm like, UMBC. In that discussion, we'll get into it next on Fox Sports Radio. Ah, yes, thank you, Sam. Am I wearing green today? I got green underwear on. That was that's always my default. You know, I got green. I can't show you my underwear. That hey, good enough? Yeah. You going out to the bars after this, Sam? On no sleep?
0: Um, no, I can't really because I work overnights both nights. So. Oh. I might have a brewski at some point today while we'll watching a little b-ball. Oh, good to hear.
5: Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Listen, there are so many layers to the NCAA tournament this morning. I, I, I came. I was texting with the guy who runs the show here, Scott Shapiro, and I, I came close to lobbying for a fourth hour. I mean, there, listen— I'm going to talk about Tony Bennett in Virginia. That interview he gave after the loss last night is what exactly you want from a face uh, uh, of your program. I mean, all class Tony Bennett. Listen, the kid Jarius Miles from UMBC. Is it J. Russ or Jarius? I don't know. He's incredible. His story. Do you know his underdog story? Have you guys heard about this? I'm going to get to that shortly. And, I mean, again, I could do 30 minutes on this last one. You know four of the top ten players. For the 2018 NBA draft. Already done in the NCAA tournament. None of them did that much. I mean, i, I that's a topic I really want to dive into. But first, I, I've got to tackle this one just because, you know, it's the obvious one. And I, 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 again, I think I view this through a prism a little differently than everybody else. Here's how I want you to look at the UMBC upset of Virginia. Let's just start off the top. This is not USA hockey beating Russia at Lake Placid. This is not that. Stop. Silly, okay? There were cultural ramifications to that win. There's the Cold War. This was made into a movie, okay? Nobody's making a UMBC Virginia movie. That's not happening, okay? If you vote on the top sports moments from last century, right, USA hockey beating Russia is got to be in the top three. Eric, what do you think? Number one?
0: Definitely. I'm also a little biased. I'm a hockey guy. Oh,
5: you're a hockey guy. That's why I was asking Eric about the hockey before. I did not—here's a true story. I didn't even know if they want—if that win over Russia was in the semifinal or the finals. I don't know.
0: A lot of people don't. A lot of people assume that they think about, oh, major upset. But no, they they did have to beat Finland the next day.
5: So Eric is our resident hockey correspondent. He's also filling in for producer Rob. Bottom line is UMBC beating Virginia is not USA hockey over Russia. It's not. That was— And again, Eric, correct me if I'm wrong. That was a bunch of college kids beating professional Russian hockey players. Yes,
0: college kids from college beating Russian professional men.
5: Right. So no parallel whatsoever. Okay, so let's toss that out the window. Now, the one that is a little closer is Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson. Okay? I I, got to say, this is, it happened, what, almost 30 years ago. But here's the thing with Douglas Tyson. It felt like a century. Ago. It felt like forever ago because you so few people actually saw it that you had to wake up the next day and see the news, either in the newspaper or on TV. There was no smartphone buzzing with your friends, holy cow, Buster Douglas just beat Mike Tyson a, as a 42-to-1 underdog. It's happened in Tokyo in 1990. And nobody, I mean, not nobody, but millions of Americans did not know about it for, what, 12 hours at the minimum? I mean, it's crazy. So UMBC, Virginia, where does that, now, UMBC was a 20-to-1 underdog. I don't know if you saw the story on the big lead, but someone had an $800 money line bet on UMBC. I'll do the math for you, Sam. That's a nice $16,800. So you bet 800 bucks. And you win 16 large. That's not bad. That's pretty solid. But Tyson was 42 to 1. And the other problem with that is Mike Tyson was utterly dominant at the time. I mean, he was smoking dudes in the first round. Okay. He was knocking out everybody in his path. Undefeated champion, blah, blah, blah. Virginia may have been destroying people. But, I mean, come on. They were not that dominant. Number one defense in the country. But. I mean, they got no pros on their team. They got no uh, no no guys that are setting the world on fire offensively. They don't have a first-team All-American. I mean, you know, Buster Douglas, he was not quite a tomato can. His record, I just looked it up, 29-4-1 before he beat Tyson. So, uh, again, as much as I want to say it's in that discussion, it's not. Upon closer inspection... UMBC beating Virginia is not Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson. Now, it is much bigger than Villanova over Georgetown. Okay, my guy Chris Broussard, uh, you know, he hosts a show here on weekends. We do stuff together on his podcast. He tried to say this is not Villanova-Georgetown. Chris, you're, you're way, way, way wrong here. First of all, Villanova beat Georgetown in their third meeting that year to win the title. Villanova had lost the first two meetings by a total... Of nine points. They were close games. So there wasn't that much of a gap there. Villanova had Eddie Pinkney, who had a long NBA career. Okay? This is much bigger than that. So UMBC beating Virginia will go down as the biggest upset in college basketball history. It is. It's bigger than Chaminade beating Ralph Sampson in Virginia. That game happened, I believe, in what, November? Something like that. It was a preseason tournament or early season season. This is bigger than that. This is the NCAA tournament. Virginia was the number one overall seed. So this is definitely biggest in college basketball history. Um, Now I do want to say, this is what I love about the tournament. It's gonna if if you're a young kid listening to this, the NCAA tournament is gonna stick with you forever. These memories they're gonna be there thirty years from now. I will never forget eighth grade. I'm a big NCAA tournament honk. I was growing up in Northern Virginia. Uh, Maryland was getting good at the time. Georgetown was very good. And my team, I like Georgetown and I like Syracuse because I would see them once a, they would play like once or twice a year in the Big East. And I would watch our games. And I just loved Syracuse, had a point guard. Um, Georgetown, of course, was like the local team. And I'll never forget in eighth grade, my buddy comes running up to me in the hall. Jason, oh my gosh, Richmond just beat Syracuse. Syracuse was the number two seed. Richmond was a fifteen. My buddy runs up to me and says this. I'm like, what? No way. I was, I'm not kidding. I was nearly in tears. I was such a Syracuse honk. They had a kid named Billy Owens, All-American. when I think he was drafted by Golden State. They were awesome. They were such a fun watch. I had them in my bracket winning the title. This was when I did one bracket. Now I'm a 15 bracket guy. Um, And I'll never forget that. Eighth grade, I remember that. I remember my man, Lawrence Moten, the poet for Syracuse. Just a devastating loss to Missouri. Later, when I was in high school. And I, you know, again, these young memories stick with you forever. So, all you young kids out there listening, UMBC Virginia, you're not going to forget it. You're going to remember, holy cow, that kid Lyles, nobody could guard him. It's an indelible moment. It's the biggest upset in college basketball history. All right, coming up next here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Listen, we're going to do March Madness all morning. I'm going to give you, I'm going to preview the games. I'm going to give you my winners on the games, P.S. Seven and four on posted picks yesterday. And because I'm a degenerate, I was going crazy last night with in-game wagering. Very risky. I don't recommend it. Um, But I did well. So I'll give you some lock winners today. But coming up next year, we're going to pivot to the NFL. Listen, I I know that the Patriots have been making moves, but they have some serious culture problems right now in New England. I I don't know if you saw this in the last 48 hours. A couple things kind of – when the NCAA tournament pops – all of a sudden, some NFL news sneaks through. You've got to stick around for that next. But first, let's go to Isaac Lowenkron for the latest in sports.
4: Good morning, Jason. These days, we often use social media to put things into perspective. At this time yesterday, the Maryland-Baltimore County Athletics Twitter account had 5,000 followers. As we speak, they've got 59,000 followers and counting – Including 6,000 new followers in the last hour alone, all because of this. Incredible performance.
2: Shock and awe in college basketball.
4: UNBC makes history in Charlotte. Jim Nance the call on TNT as the Retrievers became the first 16 seed in NCAA tournament history to beat a number one seed as they took down Virginia 74-54. to Virginia head coach Tony Bennett, classy in defeat. We didn't do the job, and I told these guys in the locker room,
1: you know, a week ago we were cutting down the nets at the ACC tournament and how good that felt, and they had a historic season in terms of ACC wins, an ACC
4: conference tournament championship, and then we had a historic loss being the first one seed to lose, so that's life. Hey, great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to geico.com, and At 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Ian Rappaport of NFL Media reports that the Patriots are signing safety Patrick Chung to a contract extension. And finally, Adrian Wojnowski just reported that NBA Players Association executive director Michelle Roberts plans to seek a new contract after considering retirement. Roberts' original four-year contract expires this September. Jason, back to you. Thank you, Isaac. All right. Uh... Uh, We're going to move on
5: from the brackets briefly because when you get a big guy who's breaking news left and right like Scoop Rappaport here, you got to talk to him. Let's welcome in Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network. Ian, good morning. How are you?
6: I got to like this. You had the most historic update in NCAA tournament history last night, and you're still making time for football. I appreciate that. Dude, come
5: on. It's the NFL, man. Love me some NFL. Ian, all right. Listen, I got to start with the Patriots because what happens when. You get the NCAA tournament. All of a sudden, some stuff kind of slips through the cracks, right? And, and people yeah. may not see it. I got to say, this Rob Gronkowski Instagram about Danny Amendola, you are free, happy, have fun. And Dion Lewis goes to the Titans. Did you see in his introduction conference, he was, he was crying about being wanted. I got to ask you, Ian, what is going on? Inside that Patriots locker room, it feels like the culture is just deteriorating. Is anybody happy to be there?
6: I wouldn't. I wouldn't say the culture is deteriorating. First of all, it seems every year in free agency there are a bunch of guys who come to the Patriots, become stars, or at least become highly paid, and leave out to go elsewhere. I mean, it's it's basically what the Patriots do. They pay you not a ton of money. Sometimes um, a lot of contracts are sort of non-maxed out. You go there, you win, you become a star, a big name, and then you go elsewhere to cash in. And sometimes you continue to have success, and uh, a lot of times you don't. Okay. Uh, and that's sort well, of the way it is for the Patriots.
5: Yeah, but, Ian, look at it from this perspective, okay? A-, a-, a locker room is like a family, right? You you know that. All these guys are tight. If every year there's a turnstile moving, and you got out with Amendola, in with Joe Schmo, and out with Dion Lewis, and bye-bye Danny Woodhead, and you just – it's a revolving door – Gronk still has not committed to next year, and, and you wonder when he's putting free and happy, and you wonder if he's not having fun. And Tom Brady and his tr- uh, the trainer and Belichick and Garoppolo. I just wonder. Am I going overboard here as an angry Jets fan? But is something no. going on with with the Patriots? And just okay. what's going
6: on? It's a tense place. Okay, it is a tense place. It is a Workman-like, very serious, tense place, and it's not like every other place. It is. You know, not always comfortable to play football there. Um, Now, they win a lot of games, and Bill Belichick is probably the greatest coach in NFL history. Um, But it is not an easy place to play. And, look, if Gronk is is, uh, identifying and and talking about, you know, Amandola being free and clear, like, yeah, I would imagine it probably is a breath of fresh air to go somewhere else. That being said, Amandola left for more money. Deion Lewis left for more money. Nate Solder left for more money. Wes Welker a couple years back, Les Walker left for more money, too. They all left for more money. And so I would imagine everybody would feel a lot better if the Patriots just paid them a lot more money. The problem is the Patriots don't do that. They pay some very select positions um, and they continue to, you know, they probably have the strongest middle class in the NFL. Yeah. They pay more money to, you know, pretty good starters and really good backups than anyone. And so. Deion Lewis is an awesome player. Malcolm Butler is an awesome player. Yeah. The Patriots will replace them, and they will be fine.
5: All right, so you talk, you're calling the Patriots' place tense. Let me ask you, does this have anything to do—Belichick has kind of a militant attitude. Does he not? His dad served in World War II, uh, became a football coach. I, I think you know, Bill Belichick basically grew up right outside the U.S. Naval Academy. Um, and, and do you think that's kind of where he gets it from, like a militant atmosphere? Hey, man, I'm going to undress Tom Brady in this film session, and he's not going to say boo about it because nobody's on a pedestal here. We
6: have no stars or whatever. Uh, maybe that's some of it, um, but, but I think, you know, it's interesting the way he views things. I mean, things are very black and white with, with Bill Balicek. Uh You know, he's he's brilliant, but he really does see things probably clearer and crisper than anyone. So... You know, for players, it's it's very blunt. It's you, you know, you're not good at this. You're never going to do this, whatever <laughs> it is, run this route, play this position. You, you're great at this. You're going to do this all the time, and that's all you're going to do. And it's the way he maximizes potential. It's like with players. Like, everyone's susceptible to be yelled at. Everyone is the same. Everyone's judged on the same sort of scale. So it's Tom Brady like, okay, well, he screws up too. You know, and, and that's just... The way he sees things is so different from a lot of people. And I think, you know, Brady probably doesn't like it and screamed out in front of the group. But I got to think that if you're the third wide receiver, you're going, oh, wow.
5: Hmm.
6: Tom Brady's being held accountable, too. I actually think that improves the locker room culture rather than hurts.
5: Interesting. Yeah. So Bill Belichick is Mr. Stay in Your Lane, right? Okay. Uh, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network. He, you've seen him on TV all the time, he's a superstar. Uh, when are you going on uh, like one of those night shows, like uh, Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel? You got to be on one of those soon, man. Uh, Ian Rappaport, he's just such a big deal now. Ian, I got to pivot to my Jets. Okay, did they really give Tremaine Johnson twenty six million dollars for next year? Is
6: this real? Well, I mean that that's just how the contract is structured. It's a really strong contract. I mean, his agent did a really good job on that contract, but you know, it's fourteen and a half million per year. It's the top of the corner market. And he's very good. Uh, and, you know, if you're the Jets, I mean, look, they're not perfect. I think they, they didn't get Kirk Cousins. That would have been nice.
5: He, wait, wait, However, hold on. Did Kirk Cousins even talk to them? Oh, yeah. he I did. they okay. finished in second place.
6: Okay. All
5: right. Runner-up trophy for my Jets. Way to go. Um,
6: but that secondary is going to be really good. I mean, really good. Hmm. Like top five in the NFL, I would say. Really? Um, okay. Oh yeah, I think they're going to be really good, and you know, up front without Mo Wilkerson, they're going to be better. Um, <laughs> I think that's going to help. I think the you know, offensive line is—you know, you hope hope for some improvement there. Um, you know, no the quarterback, quarterback. situation. No I don't know. Yeah.
5: It's, by the way, is yes or no? Hackenberg will be on the roster uh, for week one of the preseason. I mean,
6: there's no reason to cut him.
5: Well, they're going to—they're going to have to draft. They're going to have to draft a have to draft guy. Yeah.
6: So they'll have McCown, Bridgewater,
5: Hackenberg, and the new
1: guy?
6: I will tell you this. So I was talking to a head coach, a quarterback-centric head coach, uh, in the NFL last year on draft time. You know, basically like a quarterback guru, right? And I made an offhand comment about, you know, Hackenberg, well, that didn't work out. And I literally got yelled at um, because this person, you know, had seen – you know, obviously, done a lot of work on Aaron Rodgers when he was coming out, and Rodgers was considered a, probably a bust two years in. In his third year, he gets. I'm not saying Hagenberg's going to be Aaron Rodgers. Obviously. <laughs> however, however, um, it is very dangerous to judge these guys, especially guys who we knew were project after two years. We haven't seen Christian Hagenberg play hardly at all. No, um, I have no earthly idea what he is. So, if you're the Jets, like, you invested a second-round pick, you invested two years, there's no reason to cut them. Like, I don't know why you would.
5: All right, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network. Two last quick ones before you get back to your family here on Saturday morning. Uh, Broncos are going to get Baker Mayfield, right? I mean, they pick up Case Keenum, two-year deal, bridge quarterback. Elway loves Baker. Elway loves Josh Allen. Which one of these busts is he going to take?
6: Assuming they take a quarterback, which I'm not ready to make that assumption yet. Oh, okay. Um I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, Baker's a cool story. Um, and I think that, you know, they have an offensive coordinator now and Bill Musgrave who's done a great job with rookie quarterbacks in his past, Derek Carr, obviously. Um, I don't know which one they're going to take. I'm not there yet. I think if they do, he's not going to play this year. And that would be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, but you got Case Keenum for $18 million over two years, Woo! 18 million dollars a year over two years. Um, you don't need to take a quarterback if you don't if you're not in love with someone. You really don't.
5: Hmm. All right. Last question, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network. So uh, my guess as of today, March seventeenth. What are we? Five weeks, six weeks out. I'm going. Sam Darnold goes one. Saquon Barkley two. Your thoughts?
6: I can see it. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, wouldn't surprise me if Barkley goes one. Barkley I mean, goes one. He's the best player in the draft. If he's a generational running back. If you can take a quarterback at four and you do the quarterback similarly...
5: Okay, but wait, let me, then, interrupt.
6: Let me interrupt you, Ian. Hold on. If you sure.
5: say take a quarterback at four, who's to say the Colts aren't going to trade their pick and the Giants aren't going to trade their pick? And someone swoops right. in to steal your guy.
6: Well, if you have a guy you have to have, then you take him at one. That's no question. I mean, you okay. you're, you're say, I think Sam Donald's the next... You know, I don't even know. Andrew but Luck. I'm not, that, that, let's say Andrew Luck. Okay, let's say Andrew Luck. I don't... It's... You know... You can't compare the, their college no. resumes to each other. It's ridiculous, but I know what you're saying. So let's say you're in love with Sam Dunn you think he's the an next Andrew Luck. Then you have to take him. If you're not in love and love, like head over heels, you take whoever falls to you at four. Hmm. I don't see what the big deal is. If, if you don't absolutely fall in love with someone at one, then just sit back and take the guy at four and take Barkley at one.
5: Barkley at one. That's staggering to me. All right, Ian Rappaport, thank you very much for joining us. He's a superstar. He gets all the scoops. Uh, Ian, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon.
6: All right, man. You too.
2: All
5: right, th- there you have it, folks. I, <laughs> I just don't get that at all. I don't see how the Browns can do that at one. Uh, but I know, I know. I'm seeing your social media. You want more NCAA tournament stuff. And, hey, that's the time of the year we're in. Coming up next here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Have you noticed who's already out of the tournament besides Virginia? Whole bunch of guys. We're going to be at the top of the NBA draft. We'll talk about that next on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. We're back, Sam. I don't know what that music is. What, what is that? It's uh, gorillas. Like actual gorillas or the band? The group, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't, I'm not aware of them. But I'm told by our producer we have breaking news, Isaac Lowencron.
4: What do you got? Breaking news Whoa! from Fox Sports. Jason, the New York Woo! Jets <laughs> have just made a trade with the Indianapolis Colts, and the Jets are moving on up. They've acquired the third overall pick in the draft from the Colts. In exchange, the Colts get the sixth overall pick, two second-round picks, and a 2019 second-round pick. So the Jets now drafting third yeah! overall. Woo, boy, this day, this day couldn't get any better, Isaac. I am fired up!
5: Woo! March Madness and the Jets go up. All right, it's funny. Uh, I was—I just saw Brian Costello of the New York Post had tweeted, the Jets uh, are making a move. And I said, yo, Brian, you got to come on the show. We're going to talk. Let me see if because I can get Costello here in the next hour. Uh, if not, we'll get him for the final hour. The New York Jets, number three pick. The Colts sliding down. Colts clearly looked at Bradley Chubb and said, mmm uh mm, 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 mm. don't love him. we could get somebody better later. the Jets move up from six to three. Hey Jets listen you would not have had to give up those two second round picks Isaac real quick what else did they give up?
4: Okay so they also gave up the two second round picks, which is 37th and 49th overall this year and then a second round pick in 2019. Wait they gave up two twos this year and a two next year yes okay so the Jets
5: listen folks. Get close to your radio. This is why you tank. This is why you you should have put in Hackenberg or Bryce Petty last year. Not have Josh McCown win you five or six games. That does nothing. If the Jets had just tanked the right way, hell, four years ago, they could have had Marcus Mariota. This past year, they should have won one or two games. It does nobody any good to win five or six. So now you got to go give up three number twos to move up to number three. All right, let's try to make some sense of this. I know I'm going crazy here. Um, I'm so excited. Jets moving up. All right, so so we got Browns 1, Giants 2. I, this puts pressure on the Giants, does it not? Because if the if the Browns say, oh, shucks, Jets are moving up. They're taking a quarterback at 3. Giants want Saquon. Browns want Saquon. But if you wait, you're going to miss out. So let's just say hypothetically, Darnold goes one, Saquon two, the Jets are getting Josh Rosen. Okay, but now here's the problem. Browns go Darnold one. No, no, wait, what if the Browns go Saquon one? Do the Giants go Sam Darnold? This puts pressure on the Giants to replace Eli, does it not? Oh, they just checkmated the Giants. So if the Browns get Saquon Barkley first, the New York Giants do what, Sam? What's your inclination? They got to replace Eli Manning. They I have don't know. to.
0: I'm confused.
5: Okay. The New York Giants have Eli at 37 years old. He was awful last year. But you can't talk about a quarterback because then Eli gets all pouty. Oh, I'm, I'm still the future, guys. And the fans get all rattled. And the media is like, you can't treat a two time Super Bowl winner like that. So you back the Giants into a corner. They have to decide. Oh, oh we got to get his replacement. Otherwise, maybe the Jets get Sam Darnold.
0: Got a plan for the future with the Giants. Well,
5: yes, but Eli Manning, how's he going to handle that? I don't – we showed last year. He can't handle it. They benched him. They wanted to see what else they got with Geno Smith and the kid out of Cal Davis Webb. And what happened? It blew up in their face. The New York Jets with a stroke of genius. Damn. Now now listen, we're going to still do a lot, a lot on the NCAA tournament, but this, just, this just – uh, Eric, we're gonna have to little rejigger here on the fly. Um let's let's see what news comes out. I'm sure Rappaport, who was just on the show five minutes ago. Uh or, or Schefter or one of these guys, maybe Jay Glazer. You know what? Let me put in a text to Glazer, see if he's free. Uh is he off the Tahiti or wherever he was on his trip? I, I know he was in some awesome place somewhere in the Mediterranean or what have you. Maybe we get Jay Glazer on here to make sense of this. But the New York Jets, that's a does this qualify as a blockbuster? Isaac, you there? Absolutely. Is this a blockbuster? <laughs> Knocks Maryland Baltimore County off the front page for a minute. It does. I mean, listen, it's New York Jets and Sam Darnold is in play for the Jets. This is massive. I, I really think the New York Giants are backed into a corner. If the Browns take Barkley one, what do the Giants do? I think you gotta take your quarterback, right? Eric, what's your what's your in early lean
0: on this? Um, well, my thing on this is the Bills were supposed to be rumored to be trading with the Colts. Bills so, want to get um, up, Yeah, I'm a Bills fan. So oh, yeah. Now so I'm Bills a, were at, what,
5: 21 and 22? Yeah, they we had made 21 and 22.
0: We moved up to 12. 12. traded with the Bengals. But, and then the rumors around were saying they were trade partners with the Colts. So now I'm wondering where the Bills are at. Maybe they're not worried trying to get in the top three, per se. Yeah. They were just worried about trying to get Josh Allen maybe the top ten. It, it's so. so
5: funny. The Jets and Colts used to be rivals. Big-time rivals. I hated the Colts when they had Peyton Manning. They owned the Jets. However— Fun tidbit, guys. File this one away. Peyton Manning's final playoff game with the Colts, a home loss to the Jets. Mark Sanchez beat him. Yes, he did. Sam looking quizzical. Sam, I know Uh, you've had a long shift. The Jets beat Peyton in his final playoff game with the Colts. All right, coming up next year on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. A lot of NCAA tournament, UMBC, but my New York Jets, they're back, baby. (laughs) Good morning, everybody wherever you are in the United States, or even London. You know, we're huge in London now. Welcome back to The Big Lead on Fox Sports Radio. I am your very excited host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. So having a weekend radio show, you don't have the opportunity, usually, to kind of set the tone, set the agenda for big stories. Because most of the big stuff happens during the week or on Sundays. Folks, last night, a historic night in college basketball. UMBC, shocking Virginia, first 16 over a one. And we opened the show talking about it. Hey, this is not great for college basketball. And I outlined everything. Not only are we able to get out there first with a strong opinion to get you thinking on a big story But what just happened about 10 minutes ago in the NFL is going to be the talking point all weekend. The New York Jets, my New York Jets, just made a blockbuster deal giving up three number two picks to move up and get the Colts number three pick in the draft. Now, obviously, listen, you don't want to overreact. You never want to overreact to anything in sports. Just as, you know, and I got into a good discussion with someone online about this. Last night. And I know good discussion online. They don't go together, right? But I never want to let anyone's lowest point define them and their life or their career. Take, for instance, Tony Bennett in Virginia last night. Bad, bad loss. That one, the the stench of that will stick around forever. It's gonna be bad. He said. And he put Tony Bennett put it so well in his post game interview about why hey it, it's it's a loss okay yeah but you're not going to let it define you. Here's the exact quote. This is life. It can't define you. You enjoy the good times and you got to be able to take the bad times. When you step into the arena, the consequences can be historic losses and you got to deal with it. And I thought Tony Bennett dealt with that loss as well as anybody could last night. He was blinking back tears on national TV. He just gagged to a 16. I never never, 135 and 0 were number ones. So a historic defeat. Can't let it define you. Just as my New York Jets cannot be defined by their highest, Joe Montana winning a Super Bowl like, what, 50 years ago, 40-some-odd years ago, or their lows, the butt fumble with Mark Sanchez. You cannot let your... High or low moment define you. Don't let anybody do that to you. We all have low moments. We've got high moments. You, that's not it. You cannot let it define you. So my New York Jets, you know, listen, futility. When you think Jets, you think Nick. What? What do you? What's the first? You think Lakers, Nick? First word that comes to your your head? Kobe. <laughs>
2: Stop. Come it. on.
5: Get out of you here. Know it. No, that dynasty. The uh, best. A franchise in the NBA. Celtics, they're right in there with that discussion. Patriots, dynasty, best run organization. You think New York Jets. You think butt fumble. You think basement. You think futility. They can change that. They can change it with the right quarterback. You guys are not going to believe this. I've been a Jets fan for over 30 years. There is absolutely no way that you can tell me the Jets have ever had a franchise quarterback. Ever. Ever. Go Listen, I'm not going to shock you with this. Go look at Joe Montana's. Uh, sorry, Joe Namath's stats and come back to me. He was like a, a slightly above average quarterback in the NFL. That's it. That's it. Ken O'Brien was great in the 80s. Chad Pennington. He, he had a good run. The Jets have not had a franchise quarterback. So how, where do you find one? It's almost impossible to get one in free agency. Drew Brees, I believe, is maybe one of the only ones in free agency that won a Super Bowl. I know Peyton Manning did, but that was a unique situation. He was already a Hall of Famer. Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Patriots traded him still one of the most mystifying trades that I can recall in the NFL. And, you know, he won six games in a row last year. We don't know if he's winning a Super Bowl. Let's let him get to the playoffs before we put him in the Drew Brees amazing free agent category. So what do you do if you're the New York Jets or the Browns or teams that have never had a quarterback? You've got to find one in the draft. And, and it's funny because I talked to Albert Breer about this on the show last year and it stuck with me. Quarterbacks have the most currency when it comes to trades, most value. You, can just, you should every year draft a quarterback. The New England Patriots essentially do that. And you hope that your lottery ticket, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's uh, Jacoby Brissett, turns into something that you can then flip for more picks. So the strategy in the NFL is to draft quarterbacks. But the Jets, who don't know how to tank, and their front office has been a dumpster fire, I mean, and they haven't been able to draft quarterbacks. Not even, like, good ones that you can flip. And and, and that's a massive problem with this franchise. And, And, you know, they go through Geno Smith. Total disaster. Zero value. You go through a guy like Christian Hackenberg. We just talked to Ian Rappaport last hour. We don't know what Christian Hackenberg is. Second round pick hasn't taken a snap in the regular season. Not one. They drafted Bryce Petty, fourth round, 2015. What's he done? He I don't think he's with the team anymore. I think he's toast. Former Baylor quarterback. They drafted Taj Boyd. Remember him? Guys, Clemson quarterback Taj Boyd. He was awesome. He's out of the league. I mean, he he just never had a shot. Great college quarterback, nothing in the NFL. Geno Smith, as I said, second round pick. You just go up and down the list. Greg McElroy, the Jets got Greg McElroy out of Alabama in 2011. He's like one of the analysts on the SEC Network. Yeah, I mean he's pretty good, but bottom line, you've got to take risks and go up and get quarterbacks. And I'm going to take you back. 2009. You guys probably don't remember this. The Jets move up in the first round to get a pretty boy out of USC by the name of Mark Sanchez. People said, oh, Sanchez only had one year. Ah. Mark Sanchez in his first year helped the Jets get to the AFC championship game. I know he wasn't the guy. Okay, this isn't, a, this isn't an Aaron Rodgers run he went on. He was a game manager. Listen, rookie out of USC. But they got to the AFC title game the next year. That Mark Sanchez trade looked great because they got back to the AFC Championship game. I'll never forget that defeat. I, it's still in my memory, and I and I remember I had made the mistake of like going to a friend's house to watch the game, and he had a bunch of friends over, and people were doing some recreational drugs, and there was a lot of drinking involved. And I'm like, I'm locked in. I'm like, dude, I gotta watch this game. And I'm just sitting there, and the Jets fall behind like twenty-four nothing or whatever, and they make this good comeback. And all they needed was one stop. One stop to force the Steelers to punt. And I was like, they can do this, man. Jets had Santonio Holmes. Good team. And they couldn't stop Ben Roethlisberger. That was the last time the Jets were relevant. That was it. 2000 and... That was a 2011 January. They couldn't stop him. Ben Roethlisberger kept getting first downs. And that was that. And the Jets have been a disaster ever since. Well, now... They're maybe doing the same thing. They are trading up. They go up to the third spot. And again, it's tough on the fly to try to make sense of this. But let's go through. I believe there are two scenarios at the top of the NFL draft. And for those of you who love the NCAA tournament, trust me. There's more coming. But scenario one. Now, now, Nick and, and, and Eric, try to, try to focus here. Num- scenario one. The Browns with the first pick take Saquon Barkley. Right? They love him. He's the best player. They just drafted Tyrod Taylor. They have the number four pick. They get Saquon Barkley. What do the New York Giants do? They got to go quarterback. They got to go, go quarterback. To. Okay. I'm going to remind you what happened last year when the Giants merely wanted to find out what they had behind Eli Manning, who's 37. Now, remember, his brother just played till he was 40 and won a Super Bowl at 40. Tom Brady's going to be 41 next year. Eli Manning's won two Super Bowls. These guys have egos. Eli Manning has to think, of course I got stuff left in me. Let's fix the offensive line. We got a left tackle. Did you guys see that this week? The Giants made Nate Solder of the Patriots the highest paid tackle in the league. That's a sign Eli's our guy for the immediate future. Do the Giants draft a quarterback at two? Is that going to help them? Remember, this was a team two years ago that was a. they lost in the playoffs first round. If you're the Giants, do you look around the war room and say, man, listen, hey, we got the kid Ogletree to help our linebackers, Odell Beckham healthy, Eli healthy, we improved the line. We can make a run at the playoffs. Well, this is a grave miscalculation from my point of view because the NFC's stacked. 49ers got a lot better. The LA Rams are a Super Bowl contender. The Vikings got Kirk Cousins. The Eagles are going to be back. The Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott ain't getting suspended, folks. The NFC's loaded. So now, if you're the New York Giants, do you do you say, is there a guy at two that can help us? Do you trade out of two? Do you say, we don't need a quarterback. We need immediate help. Hey, uh, who out there needs a quarterback? Uh, Buffalo Bills, you want to come up to two? Do the Giants then dangle number two? Eric, you're a Bills fan. If you're a Bills fan, I got to ask, do you want to trade up with the Giants to number two, and who do you want? I would say no. Wow. So you have your quarterback roster right now is Nathan Peterman. And A.J. McCarron. And A.J. McCarron. You just made the playoffs last year with Tyrod Taylor. You got a new coach, new GM. Well, they had their first year. fair, successful year. You got a boatload of draft picks. You don't want to move up to two. You want to ride with AJ, or who do you want to take a twelve or or
0: twenty-two? I I mean I just don't want to pay the price to move up to two. I think it's going to be a hefty price to get up into there, and I think we can find talent somewhere outside of the top three. Quarterback's the toughest position, Eric. True, very true. But I I just feel like we have we have a, a, a we have two in the first round, two in the second round, two in the third round, and I just I don't want to give up. We have a we have a lot of picks to make noise, but I don't want to give up too much to move up a couple spots. I think we can find the talent they want somewhere outside where, of the
5: Where are you on Lamar Jackson?
0: Because
5: he's di- diametrically opposed to anything that A.J. McCarron is. They're totally different. Yeah, and I think
0: the Bills moving away from Tyrod Taylor kind of points at them not really liking the okay. Lamar Jackson model.
5: To, uh, now, they got uh, their offensive coordinators uh, Brian Dable from Alabama. You could draw the connection to A.J. McCarron, or you could say college offensive coordinator wants to do college offense in the NFL. Do we go Lamar Jackson? So the Bills are kind of a mystery. I mean, if I'm the New York Giants, I think you've got to, if if you think Eli's going to be your guy for the next three years and you got a playoff team, you don't take a quarterback that you just sit for two or three years. You don't. Now, if you want to say, well, Aaron Rodgers, they drafted Aaron Rodgers when they had Brett Favre the Packers, of course. Rodgers went, what, 21st overall, 20th? He went late first round at 22nd. Relax. <laughs> so the Giants, you know, listen, they, they have some options here. Now, I don't, I, I, I don't know who the Jets won. I don't think anybody does. But if you're asking me, rank the Jets' options at one. I got to go Sam Darnold has to be the number one option for them at the third pick. I got to go Josh Rosen got to be the number two option. I don't like Josh Allen. I mean, he's a nice kid. He's a great story. He comes from a good family. He seems like a humble, good kid. Guys, I, I just fifty-six percent completions in Wyoming. Okay. I, I mean, I just don't. I don't want Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. No, thank you. Baker Mayfield running around the streets of New York City. Uh, this is a guy. Isn't he dating like an Instagram model? Or he's he's got some re- very attractive girlfriend. Eric's nodding. Uh, Baker Mayfield in New York City is going to be Mark Sanchez-ish. Remember, Sanchez was out there dating the models, popping bottles at the clubs, fashion week, cover of GQ. That's the kind of thing Baker Mayfield's going to do. And I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to be a good fit with Jets. I think he could succeed. I just don't think with the pressure of going to New York as a third overall pick, I think that would be a disaster. Baker Mayfield... To your Bills at 22? I think, yeah, to 22. There's not a lot of pressure, right? Uh, I think the Dolphins are hot on him. I think Arizona likes him, and I think Elway likes him. Now, John Elway, who's struggling to find a quarterback, what's he do with the fifth pick? He was sitting pretty. Oh, we could get Allen. We could get Mayfield. I don't know what uh, what uh, John Elway's going to do. Boy, if things are getting fascinating in the NFL. The Jets moving up to the third overall pick. I love it. All right, coming up. Next on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Second round of the NCAA tournament kicks off. 45 minutes. Villanova, Alabama, I'll have picks and all that next here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Man, what a show. This is fun. I can imagine this is what doing daily radio would be like. I've only been doing the radio game for two years here at Fox Sports Radio. Um, I kind of jumped the line a little bit. I didn't go to small markets around the country and hone my craft. I just kind of got a weekend show here at Fox. And this is one of those mornings where you're like, man, as somebody who loves sports and loves just theories and prattling on and challenging you, this is the stuff dreams are made of. UMBC historic upset. Jets move up in the NFL draft. And this is, like, the first place you can get any thoughts or opinions on it because it just happened, and we're here leading the charge. You got to get to Hooters and try new smoked wings. It's a whole new way to crave wings. And with all the taste and half the calories, you can eat twice as many Hooters. All right, so, um, man, I, I just keep going through this, these Jets NFL scenarios in mind. and uh, we're. we're I, I, I just keep want to keep talking about the Jets, but I got to get some March Madness picks because the games begin here in about 40 minutes. Um, so Jets series on hold for a moment. And let's go through some games here real quick. Um, so Villanova, Alabama, tip-off is at 1210 Eastern. So it's about 50 minutes. Um, man, did you see that Alabama-Virginia Tech war? What a game that was Thursday night. Alabama went hard. They don't have the depth, I don't think, to hang with Villanova, but they have the guards to hang with Villanova. I actually think the smart play, if you're into gambling, recreationally, of course, would be Alabama on the first half. I think ultimately they played like the late game Thursday night. Now they got the first game Saturday. And I know you're going to say, hey, these guys play a ton of AAU games. They can handle it. Okay. But there is pressure in March Madness in a single elation, single elimination tournament. AAU, it's like, all right, let's just run, and then we'll play another game, and these games don't mean anything. It's just like, oh, it's just a big pick-up ball. So I actually like Alabama in the first half. I don't know that they can cover 11 and a half. I think the number in the first half is six and a half or 6. I would take Alabama there. Love the kid Colin Sexton. Uh, the next game up is, is it Kentucky? Yeah. No, no, it's not Kentucky. Uh, The games aren't in order here. Thanks a lot. Oh, it's Duke-Rhode Island. I'm sorry. Rhode Island, of course, knocked off Trey Young. Rhode Island didn't play particularly well. Um, They don't do anything that jumps out the page. They're just uh, one of these teams that hustles their butts off. You know, they try really hard. I guess if they're splashing the threes, Duke could be in trouble. But I like Duke here, ultimately, to pull away and cover 9.5. That's the second game. That's at 240 Eastern. After that, you've got the Buffalo-Kentucky game. Now, Buffalo, of course, beat out Arizona, DeAndre Ayton just just hammered and bludgeoned them to death the way UMBC beat Virginia. I like Kentucky here. And I'm telling you, that Virginia loss, the Arizona loss, that really opens up the bracket for Kentucky. And I know they didn't have a good season up and down. They had a bunch of young kids. They're really playing well now. They held off Davidson. And I I like Kentucky to cover six and beat Buffalo. Uh, That's the third game today. Then in the afternoon, it kind of gets crowded. You have the Tennessee-Loyola game. I would say of all the games, I love Tennessee more than I think any of the games today. Well, no, there's one more in a minute. But I would say Tennessee I love more. Here's why. Loyola won on a buzzer shot. They shocked Miami. The turnaround From winning at the buzzer in an upset and being hailed as, oh, everybody's talking about you, you're gassed up. You got to go battle a Tennessee team that's stacked. Rick Barnes, good March coach. I love Tennessee to cover five here. I think they roll by double digits easily. Now, the next game is actually the one I like the most. Somehow, Gonzaga. Oh, wait, of course, the lines move. Gonzaga, only favored by three. It's now up to three and a half. I'm seeing a couple fours. Gonzaga, Ohio State. Did you guys watch Ohio State Thursday? This is not a good team. South Dakota State was able to tie the game with two minutes left. Ohio State pulled away. They had a couple uh, three-pointers where they were fouled on. The guy had a four-point play in a tie game. I mean, you never see that. I mean, Gonzaga played very poorly, but again, Mark Few's done this before. Three years ago, they had a rough first-round game, bounced back to second round, destroyed an opponent. Mark Few's got a good team, a deeper team. I think the Butterflies are out. I think they steamroll Ohio State. This is just not a very good Ohio State team. Uh, again, South Dakota State has one pro and that's it. I think Gonzaga could have two or three. I think Gonzaga rolls here. That game's at 7:45 tonight. After that, you got Kansas. Seton Hall. It's kind of a dangerous game for Kansas. Not a good team. They struggled with Penn before covering. Give me Seton Hall here. Take getting five points. They're one of these scrappy teams. They got a big guy. They got three guards. They're going to push Kansas. Kansas, not a great number one seed. It's funny. Before the tournament, all the talk was, Kansas is the most susceptible number one seed, and they covered against Penn. Nobody mentioned Virginia as a susceptible number one seed. They, of course, get blitzed by UMBC in a historic loss. I like Seton Hall getting five. After that, you've got the Florida-Texas Tech game. I love Florida here. I don't know how they're getting two points. Better team, more experience, went to the Elite Eight last year, better coach. I mean, they shoot threes better, they shoot free throws better. I got to ride with Florida. There's a, that's a no-brainer for me. And the final game actually an awesome one. Houston, Michigan. If you guys haven't heard of the kid named Rob Gray at Houston, oh, my goodness, he, can he play? This kid can ball. He I, I love watching Rob Gray at Houston. He had 39, including the game-winning layup with like a second left to beat San Diego State in a real good game. I just worry that Houston on the on the quick turnaround will, able to, will be able to adjust for the John Beeline junk defense that he's going to throw at you. I, I don't love Michigan because of the free throw shooting. I mean, when your guards can't make free throws, that's bad. That's real bad. So I am going to go with... I guess I'll take Houston getting three and a half, but it's reluctantly Because this Michigan team... Again, they got maybe the best coach left in the field in John Beeline. Not the most winningest, but the best. So I'll reluctantly go Houston plus three. Uh, Enjoy the games today. They should be good. Man, you've got to watch Colin Sexton coming up here in 30 minutes against Mr. Brunson of Villanova. Jalen Brunson, Colin Sexton should be a great battle. We'll talk about that more with Jeff Goodman Uh, a longtime buddy of mine, covers college basketball and the NBA for ESPN. He'll join us next. But first, let's go to
4: Isaac Lowenkron for the latest in sports. Jason, the big news this morning comes out of the NFL as the New York Jets have acquired the third overall pick in the draft from the Indianapolis Colts in exchange for the sixth overall pick, two second-round picks, and a 2019 second-round pick. So to recap, the draft order has the Browns at number 1, the Giants at number 2, The Jets now at number three. The Browns again at four the Broncos at five, and the Colts now at number six. In the NCAA tournament Friday night, history was made by 16-seed Maryland-Baltimore County against one-seed Virginia. Incredible performance.
2: Shock and awe in college basketball. UNBC makes history in Charlotte.
4: Jim Nance the call on TNT as the Retrievers took down the Cavaliers 74-54. to So in the last three years, we've seen the Cubs win the World Series for the first time in 108 years, the first triple crown winner in 37 years, the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history and the first overtime game in Super Bowl history, and now the first 16 seed to beat a one seed in NCAA tournament history, all in just the last three years. Jason, back to you. Thank you,
5: Isaac. Hey, what did you, uh, that that is a quite a run in sports, is it not?
4: I, I'm just thinking about it. These spoiled millennials, <laughs> they get all this in the last three years while the rest of the world has to wait a whole lifetime for this sort of thing.
5: Unbelievable. Thank thank you, Isaac. Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? means you probably should have gone to Geico.com. 15 minutes ago all right joining the show now to make sense help make sense of the umbc upset historic upset of virginia is a guy who knows college basketball just a little bit jeff goodman of espn jeff good morning how are you uh,
2: i'm pretty good i'm pretty good it is it, a guy who how about this i, I went to school at the university of arizona and three of the four years i was there uh they lost in the first round no so, way <laughs> um i, I was kind of used to it um but but Never, ever have I seen anything like this. I mean, this is just at a a different level because, again, obviously, 16-1, we get it. But Virginia is like the team least likely to have had this happen to because of the poise that their coach plays with and the poise that their team and players play with. But, man, they got rattled early, like 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Oh, they were taking bad shots. They were reaching on defense. It was almost like they didn't know. There was 10 minutes to go. They thought it was like <laughs> a minute left.
5: Yeah, Jeff, let me look big picture for you here. Um, I, and I wonder, and I opened the show talking about this. I, I just got to ask you, like, I don't know how good this is for college basketball. I know it's good that everybody's talking about it. and It, is, it was the number one story overnight. I get all that. But, Jeff, when you look at, at what this is going to do, I mean, they shot 12 of 24 on threes. We know that the 3 pointers is taking over college basketball. I mean, this is going to take it to the stratosphere. I mean, team, we're going to see teams emulate the Houston Rockets and the Warriors now, the way Marshall's doing it. UMBC last night. It's like, hey, man, Tony Bennett, this defensive stuff don't play. Like, nobody wants to watch your games. Uh, defense is nice, but you're not getting, you haven't got to the Final Four. Offense not only sells tickets, but it kind of wins in college basketball, does it not?
2: Well, listen, this is different. This is different in a sense that Virginia, we forget. Virginia just swept the ACC regular season and ACC tournament. So let's not forget what Tony Bennett and those kids accomplished because they were dominant in a league with Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, Jim Boeheim, all these other you know high-power programs. They dominated it. And Tony Bennett, if you look at his record against – Roy and Kay in the ACC over the last five years, it's not even close. What is it? What, in, I, I didn't know it was that good. Not even close. He's like seven or eight games better than, than I been. Kay and Okay, and, and but, Roy. but Jeff,
6: what does it
5: matter if every March he's going to run into somebody in the tournament who's going to be like, oh, we're just going to rain three pointers and beat him?
2: Well, again, I don't know if you could say every March. This was a, you know, again, one of those things where they don't have NBA talent that some of the other teams have. So, Do they maybe go harder in the regular season because of that? Kind of like the Celtics did early on in this season, right? Like they, they played so hard in every game because they had to, they had to prove Kyrie actually played defense. So, you know, while, while Marvin Bagley is dominating and, and, and Duke's winning, it doesn't mean as much to them in the regular season and the Cleveland Cavs, they can turn it on when they want. So, I think Virginia certainly puts more into the regular season than maybe some other teams, but I, I wouldn't say that, that it's bad for college basketball in a sense that, listen, everybody's shooting threes anyway for the most part. I mean, that that's the way the game's already uh, Kentu- gone. Kentucky
5: it's- just won without making one, which is unheard of. Now, they didn't cover if you're into that. But, okay, fine, Jeff, let me take it this way. Uh, if you're a high-profile recruit, top 100 kid, and you want to play professionally after uh, college, whether it's the NBA or even Europe, yeah. I got to ask, are, are you going to Virginia? I, I mean, this is well, a bad look, not obviously. Getting,
2: they're not going to get McDonald's All-Americans. No, that that's not Tony Bennett's philosophy. He wouldn't turn one down if one obviously. wanted to come there. But, but uh, you know, they're not going to get those. Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome. Kyle Guy was ranked probably in the top fifty-ish. Ty Jerome was right on the verge, I think, of a top hundred. Really, kid. I didn't even know that. Of it. Yeah, so he's getting better players, but. You know, he's going to win with, you know, four-year kids for the most part. DeAndre Hunter would have made a difference. Yes. Uh, Would they have won? I don't know. But, man, they could use him on both ends of the court defensively. Look at what UMBC was doing at times. They were just driving to the basket, and there was was nobody there. And then on the offensive end, listen, DeAndre Hunter is their best NBA prospect, and it's not even close.
5: Yeah, no doubt. All right, Jeff Goodman, ESPN. Jeff, let's pivot. Uh, I'm going to say four names to you. Uh, and you <laughs> you tell me what the common thread is and what does it mean. Yeah. Michael Porter Jr., Trey yep. Young, DeAndre Ayton, and Mobamba.
2: Well, you, you're talking, that, I guess, <laughs> the draft. They're all gone, first of <laughs> all. Know. They're all gone, and they're all probably going to be drafted. Trey Young, I'm not sure where he goes. Whoa, now,
5: wait a minute, he, Jeff. Is he top ten? He's got to be top ten.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah right. I think he goes top ten, but I think, you know, Two months ago, we were thinking he had a chance to crack the top four. That's not going to be the case now. Um, You know, the the crazy part of this is, again, like Michael Porter Jr., we can't blame. In fact, I give him credit. Everybody else is killing Mm -hmm. him Mm -hmm. Well, he came back. Like, give him credit. He came back. He missed all year his freshman year but two minutes. He had back surgery. He wanted to be back out there with his father, who's an assistant, with his brother, who's a player. He didn't look good. He didn't, but please don't judge him on that because I've seen him too many times. And when he's good, he's damn good. Like, he, he's smooth. He can shoot the three. There are flaws in his game, no doubt. Uh, but Michael Porter is a sensational yeah. talent when he gets back to health. And, um, but, yeah, those guys are gone, and that sucks. That sucks for the tournament right now.
5: What about uh, – let's go back to Trey Young briefly. I, I, got, I, I did not like people killing him for the shot selection against Rhode Island. I mean, he made some basketball plays where he got the ball to his teammate in a good spot, and they missed a bunch of shots. He's all they got. It, it To me, it's, it's right. chicken bleep to get on Trey Young's case for, for questionable shots in the second half when he's been taking and making those all season.
2: You're 1,000% right. That, that's how they got there. Early in the year, he made them. And if he makes one of those final two in overtime, we're talking about how great Trey Young is, and he should take more of those. So, I'm with you. I mean, look, this is a kid that's shown the ability uh, not only to score 40 in a given night, but get 15 or 20 assists on a given night, too. There was a stretch. I'm in Pittsburgh, so I was here for it, where he was just dominant in picking that defense apart yeah. uh, over Rhode Island. So, I love him because he can do both. Now, again, I talked to his dad the other night here, and his dad said, yeah, we know he's got to get stronger. Before he goes to the next level Obviously. and all this, he said, but, but this was never the plan. He said, like, we thought maybe, maybe he'd be gone after his sophomore year, probably be lucky, you know, go after his junior year, but never in a million yeah. years did they think this would happen.
5: It's crazy, Jeff. You know I do that top 50 players in college basketball list every yeah. summer. You didn't have him on there? No! And, and here's Nobody the thing. Did. I know people are killing me for that. Hey, uh, like CBS does a list, ESPN, That's basketball stupid. reference. Yeah. Nobody had him. Yeah. Nobody had Trey Young. But, by the way, we can agree. He's got to go to the NBA. Do not stick
2: around. Has to go. Okay. Has we, to uh, go. Look at he Miles will, Bridges. He will go. Yeah.
5: yeah, he will go. Look at Miles Bridges, man. I love Miles Bridges. He averaged yeah. like 16.9 last year. Uh, He's yep. averaging the exact same, shooting almost the same. You see no real growth and development in his game. And I like Miles Bridges, but when you are hot, you got to go.
2: Right? Yeah, Robert Williams. Robert Williams is an even better example for oh, Texas that's A&M. Right. right? Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. I mean, he, he
2: came back, and he would have been a lottery pick. He'll go. They'll both go at the same spot for the most part, I think, within three to five spots. Miles Bridges and Robert Williams, a freshman okay. last year from Texas A&M. But you're right. When you when you hit it, it's hard right now to come back if you're a lottery pick. Thanks. Most kids, in fact, it's changed so much over the years, Jason. Now it's Honestly, if you're a first-rounder, you're gone. you got to go. And, and yeah. even some kids, it's if you're a guaranteed second, like early second-rounder, you get guaranteed money, a lot of them go there.
5: Remember the kid Frank Jackson at Duke, the the, the sure. point guard? So my kid is opening basketball uh, cards, and they, they're like, Frank Jackson. My, my kid asks, who's Frank Jackson? And I, I had to think <laughs> about it. I was like, is that the guy from Duke? Is he in the league? I don't even know if he's in the NBDL or what. It might be on the Jazz. He was hurt. Oh, he was hurt.
2: Okay. Yeah, he, he was hurt. But imagine if he was at Duke right now. Imagine I mean, they would if, be lights out. Like, like but Duke it, would yeah. they'd win it all. If they had Frank Jackson on this team right now, I, I really believe they would cut down the Nets and win it all.
5: But I can't blame him for going and chasing money. All right, so, Jeff, let's go to today's games real quick. Um, does Alabama have any chance to upset Villanova? I just want to say, uh, Trey Young had a weak supporting cast. Colin Sexton has some guys that can go. Uh the kid right Hall, the kid Petty. Yeah. These guys can play.
2: And, and we don't see him enough because what why? Colin Sexton dribble, 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 shoot, 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 shoot. Right. He needs to move the basketball. He's a he's a ridiculous talent. He's just gotta learn. I mean, the other day Petty went off. Yeah. He, he could shoot the hell out of the ball. I mean, like they gotta he's gotta move the ball, Sexton does, and trust his teammates more because otherwise they stand around, yep. then they don't defend. Sexton really doesn't defend. The kid I love is Herb Jones. He doesn't do a lot offensively, but watch him. He'll, he'll be a lottery pick to me in, in the next year. Or two. Wow.
5: Are you serious? Now, that's i gotta, yep. I got to plead ignorance. I watched that game. I was heavily invested in Alabama. I don't know who Herb Jones is.
2: I'm not going to lie to you. Watch watch him today, especially on the defensive end, okay. and his offense will come.
5: So can they beat Villanova?
2: No, I don't okay. think so. All right, I, see. How again, about this? I don't trust Sexton. I yeah. don't trust. Him I, well, listen, man, as a Jeff. Player.
5: Down the stretch, he would not let Alabama lose that game.
2: He was—he was, no he was a beast. No, no. Listen, he can take over a game. He's fearless. He's tough. I just think he's too enigmatic for me. When Villanova is so solid, like Jalen Brunson and Collin Sexton are polar opposites in every single way as point guards. Yeah. You look at Brunson, and he's going to go to the combine, and everybody's going to be like, "Well, he didn't test well. Yeah. He can't jump. He's not quick." But man, can that kid play well, a great but, leader? But here's the
5: thing, Jeff: Is he going to be able to post up Colin Sexton and get points in the paint where he kills people? I don't think he will.
2: Oh, watch him against watch Sexton.
3: Him. All right, all right, all right, all
5: right. Sexton quickly, two more. Guard. Uh, th- let me just guard. ask you a name. Do you, do you even know this guy? Uh, the kid at Marshall named Elmore. Dude, how good do, is he? Is he a pro? Be honest. Is he an NBA player? I love this
2: kid. So do a search. Jeff Goodman, John Elmore, ESPN. Okay. And there'll be something that came up like three years ago when the Elmore brothers were trying to get eligible and trying to transfer. And I wrote a big story about them, and they ended up getting their year back. Uh, Transfer and being eligible. uh, It's about their grandfather who was sick and died. Uh, Yeah, the the kid's ridiculous. Dude, He's ridiculous. He is and- an
5: awesome team. I-, I think they can shock West Virginia. I don't know. It's a big rivalry. All right, Jeff, we got to run. I could do this for an hour. Good stuff as usual. Enjoy the games, Jeff Goodman.
2: Is- you got him, man.
5: Uh, Great stuff from Jeff Goodman. You guys can sense it that I could do a lot on college. Hoops. Like I, wa- I do nothing but watch these games the last two days. I didn't watch as much during the season as I like to. Uh, All right. Big lead, Fox Sports Radio. I, I, Jeff mentioned something on the One and Duns. I got to touch on that next. The big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Gosh, I, I, this is this is wild that we've gone almost two hours here, haven't talked LeBron James whatsoever, haven't talked NBA at all. Yay! This is what the NCAA tournament and the NBA draft and the NFL draft can do. I just, listen, NBA regular season. I mean, Nick, did you look at the Warriors, by the way? Steph Curry's out. Clay's out. Durant's out. For like two weeks, the Warriors are locked into the number two spot. They're not getting the number one. They lost to the Kings last time. And Quinn Cook played like 40 minutes and scored like (laughs) a bunch of points. They don't even care. I I had a good Warriors take uh, about how they had to cancel practice the day after Steph Curry's birthday because everybody was hungover. Practice, And and it's just... There's just so much more interesting stuff out there. Uh, Lakers took a tough L last night. Did you watch it? I didn't see a second. I didn't even know the game was happening.
1: You know, I was actually at a hockey game last night, but I was watching on my phone. Whoa! Watching on my phone. You went to a hockey game? I know.
5: In the middle of the NCAA tournament?
1: Uh, Jason, you know I'm not a March Madness guy. You know I love a but... Nick, Nick, all right. Turn off off your mic.
5: Turn off your... Not a March Madness guy! What the hell are you talking about? Wake
1: me up in the final four. Sorry. Greatest
5: sporting event of the year. Well, I, I, the World hey, Cup is this year.
1: I'm in the minority. Oh, no one cares about that.
5: Nobody cares about the World Cup.
1: <laughs> now, USA is not in it. No. I, I come on, dude. It's on Fox next time. I know. Come on.
5: I know. Um, all right. Cheese, Nick. Now I'm all rattled. Not a March Madness guy. I thought we were friends, man. I, I'm stunned. <laughs> this is disappointing. All right. So I just locked it. Brian Costello, New York Post, is going to join us in 40 minutes to try to make sense of this Jets deal. Um, more, I'm so fired up about the Jets. Okay, but we gotta um we gotta we gotta go back to the NCAA tournament real quick. So I mentioned this with Jeff Goodman a little while ago. DeAndre Ayton loses in the first round. He's probably gonna be the number one pick in the draft. If you're not a March Madness guy, as Nick just said he's not, you gotta become one. So you can see these guys, DeAndre Ayton. Here's the best part, right? So DeAndre Ayton destroyed the Pac 12 tournament. But like like I said, nobody watches college basketball in the regular season. So nobody had really seen Aiton. You'd seen his name. Oh, he's a 7-footer. He decimated the Pac- Pac-12. I think he had like 33-19 and 19 in the final or something absurd. So everybody, all these guys, um, and I'm not bashing him because I liked him, but Tony Kornheiser has like this podcast, and I listened to it, and Mike Wilbon was on with him, and they're talking about the NCAA tournament. Both of them had never seen DeAndre Aiton, so they watch him in the Pac-12, and they say, oh, Arizona's going to the Final Four. I've got Arizona in the championship. That's what they said. These guys don't watch college basketball. They watch one game where Aiton is lights out, and they've got him in the— No, that's not how college basketball works. Guards rule in March. And if you watch the UVA game and they're lost to UMBC, they couldn't even keep the guards in front of them. They got a five foot eight guy, smaller than me, and they couldn't check him. And the other kid, Lyles, who's an amazing story. I mean, we haven't even really got to his, his tale. But that kid, who I think he had 28. He's on fire. You know, he was recruited by VCU and went there. Couldn't get on the court. Decides to transfer out and lands at uh, uh, Robert Morris for a semester. And then he's like, "Nah, I got I to bounce. And then ends up going back to UMBC and kills it there. And now he, his name is going to be legendary. Uh, in the NCAA tournament. He is right up there with the Tyus Edney shot for UCLA, the Bryce Drew buzzer beater. UMBC, he's a legend. But DeAndre Ayton could be the number one pick. He's out. Mo Bamba of Texas, really good shot blocker, a factor inside. I mean, he fouled out last night, and he was he was guarding a guy from uh, Nevada who's 6'8", the kid Caroline. And, and Bamba falls out, and Texas, by the way, Texas-Nevada was the game of the tournament. Eric, tell me you saw that. Tell me, you you guys.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I did. Okay, I all did. right. I, I mean, that game was phenomenal. The
5: shot-making in overtime was absurd. Mobamba bounced. Trey Young, and I know guards rule of March, but Trey Young's got no help. He out. Uh, and it's just like you're seeing all these guys just go by the wayside Getting in March. They can't deliver. A little disappointing. You know, uh, it hurts the tournament, but the tournament's going to survive. Tournament's going to be fine. It always will be fine. And Michael Porter Jr. of Missouri had no chance last night. He was winded after 10 minutes. Uh, So back here on the big lead after this. Coming up next, New York Jets, our number three. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are. I'm your host, Jason McIntyre. Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Sun starting to peek out from behind the clouds here in Los Angeles. Another beautiful thing about being on the West Coast. NCAA tournament games start at 9 a.m. Villanova, Seton Hall. uh, I'm sorry. Villanova, Alabama about to tip off. We won't talk brackets here because, like, I don't know. I just don't know how well that plays on the radio. Nobody really cares. I will say this. I'm a 15 bracket guy. Yes. I will enter 10 bracket pools, put down a lot of money, picks, mix up my picks. Yes, I had Virginia winning in one of them. Yes, I had Arizona winning in one of them. But by and large, my picks are still alive. I'm more into the game-by-game game, uh, wagering, if you will. I mean, there's so much to love about this tournament. In-game wagering is fun, especially with UMBC last night. I mean, the the, the, the highs and lows were wild. A lot of fun with the NCAA tournament. I will try to do a radio show with while watching Colin Sexton versus Jalen Brunson. And, of course, monitoring the NFL because, holy hell, the New York Jets just did the damn thing. Jets move up to third in the draft. That's the big news this morning. That has trumped the UMBC Virginia news. Jets! Yep, 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 Yep. yep utility futility, thy name is New York Jets. We know they've struggled. They have not been able to find a franchise quarterback for decades. If you want to call Namath a franchise quarterback, go right ahead. He did win them a Super Bowl in the Stone Age, uh, and they haven't had a franchise quarterback as long as I've been alive. I happen to be a Jets fan. I was born in New York. Um, my, my My sports friends, who are also NFL fans, always say, dude, you picked the wrong team. Why did you just pick the Giants? And I was like, well, everybody liked the Giants when I started to get into football. I'm not going to follow the crowd. I've never followed the crowd. I've never done that in journalism. I've never done that in rooting interests. I mean, heck, I'm a guy who uh, basically is a career outsider. And I kind of use that as my calling card to get where I am. I'm going to view things differently. I love this trade for the Jets. I took the temperature of the deal online uh, Eric, how much, Eric and Nick, I don't know how much you guys have been reading on, on social media about this Jets deal. I, in a sentence, are they getting hammered for this or are they being praised?
0: I think, I mean, I don't know. It, I think they're being praised by, some, It's. I mean, it's the social media. So you're going to see the backlash and you see people that are loving it. Um, but I think for the most part that people are saying it was a little pricey. pricey. But I mean, you're moving up to for a number two pick. Exactly. Listen, that's what you got to do. You don't have a franchise quarterback. You've got to trade up and get one.
5: You don't have a front office that can reliably deliver good quarterbacks in the middle rounds and late first. got to trade up. And I'm going to remind everybody, the last time the New York Jets traded up for a quarterback, it worked out pretty good. They went up and got Mark Sanchez, drafted him fifth overall in 2009 as a rookie. Mark Sanchez played the AFC title game in his second year. Actually, Nick, as a rookie, you know Sanchez went into San Diego at the time and beat the Chargers. Thank you for reminding me. Sean Green with a memorable touchdown run. I'll never forget this highlight because we put it on the big lead at the time and it did monster traffic. On Sean Green's touchdown run, Antonio Cromartie comes up from the side and he, he was basically a pile inspector. He didn't want to make a tackle. Sean Green didn't actually go down, and then he busted through the pack and went for the score. And and so the Jets ended up getting to the AFC title game. They got smoked by Peyton Manning. Uh, It was a close game in the first half. Jets briefly led. Um, Next year, again, just one year after the big trade, Jets are back in the AFC title game. Now, this was a special run. They beat Peyton Manning in the first round, his last game in the playoffs with the Colts. They won on the road. Then the Jets went into Foxborough and beat Tom Brady. Awesome game. And then they lost to Big Ben in the AFC title game. I mean, imagine if Mark Sanchez had got to a Super Bowl beating Peyton, Brady, and Big Ben in a row. That would have been historic. Okay? But that trade worked. Now, after that, you know, the Jets' front office was a a dumpster fire. They made bad move after bad move and bungled it. They didn't know who to keep. They made bad draft picks. I mean, the year uh, the year after that, their number one pick was Kyle Wilson. I, I kind of liked him at the time out of Boise. He was a bust. Mohamed Wilkerson was their number one pick the following year. Really good. They gave him a lot of money. He didn't show up for his birthday cake. Guy's a disaster. Where'd he go? He'd go to the Packers? Eric, any idea? I think Mo Wilkerson signed with the Packers this week. He was a free agent. Like, no interest. Guy's a punk. Bottom line, if you don't have a quarterback, you trade up to get one. End of story. Let's go through the potential scenarios for the Jets. Cleveland Browns at one. They just signed Carlos Hyde. They traded for Tyrod Taylor. History says, and and I'm a big history buff, John Dorsey got Kareem Hunt in, I believe, the third round last year in Kansas City. Third round pick, Kareem Hunt, steal, led the NFL in rushing. History says... You don't need to draft a running back first. That's that would be stupid. Who does that? Oh, the New York Jets. Keijana Carter. I think Keyshawn Carter went first. Let me let me just check on that. No, Blair Thomas went to the Jets number two in nineteen ninety. He was a he was a bust. Couldn't stay healthy. And uh oh no, the Jets got Keyshawn Johnson number one, a receiver. Good player. I don't think he's going to the Hall of Fame. Right? No. Uh So. You know, you can't really draft a skill position guy, number one. I just, you can't. You need a quarterback. So, my guess is the Browns probably go Sam Darnold. Now, I will say this. John Dorsey, like a lot of these guys, has a type. Big, strapping, huge arm. Actually... Josh Allen of Wyoming fits that. Now, I know you're saying, Jason, you just love the Jets. You don't want them taking Darnold. There are actually some morons out there who don't love Sam Darnold. Uh, The body of work I've seen, he's slam dunk number one overall. But I will say this, and Nick and Eric, this is a little speculative. Don't open the phone lines. John Dorsey's been around the NFL for a long time. So has Mel Kuyper Jr. Guess who Mel Kuyper has had as his number one pick in his mock draft for a while? Josh Allen. Okay. We know these people talk. Now, did Dorsey, who's longtime friends with Mel Kuyper, this is this is out there. I'm not I'm not breaking news, but people just don't don't talk about this angle. This is real. This is real life. Did Dorsey plant Josh Allen as a smokescreen with his buddy Kuyper? Or does Kuyper know him so well that he says, Listen, Josh Allen's going to be the guy. I don't know. I, I do believe the Browns like Josh Allen a lot. I don't like Josh Allen. John Elway loves Josh Allen. Okay? Loves him. Went to his bowl game. But John Elway loves Baker Mayfield. Went to his workout. He just signed Case Keenum. These guys are weird, man. These NFL GMs, they think they're smarter than everybody. These guys who run front offices, football guys. Oh, man, Josh Allen, hidden gem, man. I get him, tournament. Oh, man, I can make that guy into a star. All right, 56% completions. It's funny. People say Lamar Jackson can't complete passes. He can't read defenses. He completed 57% last year. For his career at Wyoming, Josh Allen was 56%. Okay, so let's say they go Darnold won. What do the Giants do at 2? And, and this is a big question because, as I've been saying here for about since the trade broke, We know they love Saquon Barkley. Everybody loves Saquon Barkley. Immensely talented. However, I said on this show, either last week or two weeks ago, I believe the Saquon Barkley stuff is a smokescreen because they need a quarterback. But you've got to be careful how you frame the Giants need a quarterback. Because what happened last year? Eli Manning got all sensitive. The fans said, you can't bench the two-time Super Bowl winner. And Eli was almost in tears in the locker room. They had to end up firing the coach and firing the GM, who kind of benched Eli. It's an it was ugly. So they had to get a new coach a new GM. And notice, there's no quarterback talk. It's we got a left tackle. Odell's going to be healthy. Eli's only thirty-seven. His brother Peyton played till he's forty. Peyton Manning's forty-one. Drew Brees, how old is Drew Brees? Forty. got be think up. He's there. thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. Quarterbacks are staying longer. They're healthier. Right. Are the Giants talking themselves into Eli and we don't need Sam Darnold? And two years ago, we were a playoff team? And we could just get back there. We need somebody to help us. Or do the Giants open the bidding for number two? I don't know. There's there's options. But I'll tell you this. How's the Giants fan base going to handle Saquon Barkley there at two? And they trade out of it because somebody else wants a quarterback. I, You know me. I'm not a huge skill position guy. I've said on this show many times I would trade Odell Beckham. People laugh. People got all angry. Oh, you know what people are coming around on now all of a sudden? Well, you know, Odell. It's not about that video. It's not. It's when Odell Beckham said last year on the eve of training camp because he wanted to be the story. Hey, I want to be the highest paid player in the NFL. That's what he said. He wants that. He wants that. He wants to be the story. So now what happens? Uh. All of a sudden, this week, story breaks. Uh, NFL Network had it. Odell Beckham. I want to be the highest-paid wide receiver in the league. I want $20 million a year. Well, Antonio Brown doesn't make that. Uh, nobody makes that. I want 20000000 million. I'm telling you guys, this guy is so greedy and self-centered. He's so all about the money. Nike is his boss right now, okay, because Nike's paying him the, mo- the mo- more money than the Giants are. Odell Beckham's all about the Benjamins. I, I'm i going to repeat it. I would trade Odell Beckham. He is a headache you don't want. New GM, you got a big problem. In, in New York, you got the media plays a big factor. You got the fans, a big factor. This isn't Jacksonville where you can make a move and it's like, oh, okay, they're doing this. This is New York, media capital of the United States. The scrutiny is massive. The Giants have to be careful here at two, and I think the Jets are sitting pretty. In a perfect world, they get Sam Darnold. I would settle for Josh Rosen. And then the question becomes, well, Jason, if Darnold and Rosen go one-two, what do you do at three? And uh, I I can't believe I'm saying this. I would would open the bidding if somebody wants to move. I would not take Josh Allen three. And I got to ask, Saquon Barkley then sitting there at three. What do you do? There are so many options. The NFL draft, never a dull moment. All right, coming up next here on the Big Lead Fox Sports Radio, we got to get in some NBA. We have to, just a little bit. Uh, Seton Hall. I'm sorry, not see Why do I keep saying Seton Hall? Villanova and Alabama have tipped off. We're two minutes in. Villanova's up two nothing. Ugly start. Um, but I I need to talk about what happened on the bench in Cleveland this week. Didn't Nick? Did you see that? Oh, yeah. I know people talking about the uh, LeBron dunk over Nurkic. Which was insane. That was, but... I think, the best dunk of his career.
1: Mm. It him was... over Terry. Remember, oh, hit him over Jason Terry in Yeah, Miami. but Jason Terry's 6'2". I could jump over Jason. Well, I know, so. but just, I don't know. This was
5: violent over a 6'10 guy. The photos are incredible. Everybody's talking about the dunk. Well, again, we like to challenge you on this show. Did you see what happened on the bench? And I'm, I'll leave you with this tease. We're going to talk about LeBron next. Do you know who LeBron he praised on last week when he was out here in L.A.? Nick, do you remember? Certain coach. We'll talk about that. NCAA tournament, New York Jets. It's all popping, folks. The big lead on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, gosh. I guess you guys are used to this Lonzo Ball rap song now. Nick rocks his every single week. You thought I forgot. And my reaction's always the same. Oh, here we go. So I do it uh, three for 15 last night. Was that what it was for Alonzo?
1: Yeah. It was he's
5: in a, a bit of a funk right now. It's fine. Uh, quick update Villanova five Seton hall three. I know that doesn't sound interesting, but uh, all of Villanova's points early came from this. Their big guy. Omari Spellman offensive rebound, put back. He got two fouls. He's going to be sitting for a while. He's going to be sitting down for a while. I'm telling you, Alabama can hang in the first half. I gave this out earlier on the show. If you like money and you like winning money and maybe going on vacations, then you listen to my picks. I gave out Alabama first half, and they're breaking the press with ease. They got good guards. They're going to be able to hang around. I mean, can they win? Sure. Hell, UMBC just won last night. So now we're tied at five. I'm telling you, keep an eye on Colin Sexton. He is going to be a point guard in the NBA very soon. Very, very soon. All right, so I told you guys I would talk about LeBron. Because I know, listen, the Jets are the story. We've done a lot of Jets. We're going to do more Jets. we got Brian Costello of the New York Post coming up here in seven minutes. I just wanted to talk about LeBron because of what happened. Okay? So the Lakers uh, beat the Cavs. You know, the Clippers beat the Cavs. Cavs are struggling. Cleveland goes to Portland. OK, LeBron says, hey, Damian Lillard, is guy's an MVP. You give me Damian Lillard, I'll show you what, you know, something along the, do you know the exact quote, Nick? It was something along the lines of, hey, give me Damian Lillard. It was almost like, hey, man, I could use another star. And LeBron happens in the game, you know, he's playing well, he dunks all over Nurkic. It's one of the nastiest dunks of his career. I think it's number one. And like the bench freaked out, everybody freaked out. That's all anybody was talking about, but buried in that game, LeBron comes out of the game late, I think it's fourth quarter, goes to the bench, and Ty Lue says something. And LeBron says something, and there's like five people sitting between them, and they're jawing back and forth, like yelling. And and, and what I loved here is when you look at the Cleveland bench when LeBron and Lou were yelling at each other and i we have the video on the front of the biglee.com look at the players in between LeBron and Lou there's like four or five players separating none of them looks at anybody they just stare forward like oh geez. it was awkward very awkward i mean it's the kind of thing where you see it and you're like
0: it's almost Whoa. as if, like when you when you're a kid and your parents are fighting yes! in the front seat, and yes! you're just kind of like looking at the floors, like when is this gonna be done?
5: It was strange, and I think LeBron got the last word in, and if, you know, it, it was one of those where you're like, okay. But after the game, all it was was the LeBron dunk. Nobody's talking about this moment, folks. Do you remember what LeBron said about Luke Walton last week in LA? He heaped so much praise on Luke. Luke's done a great job. Luke's been coaching them great. And I was like, wait, what? Luke, this is the guy LeVar Ball wanted fired? This is the guy who's looked bad at times? And then you then you take a closer look, you're like, wait a sec. They they got 31 game, 31 wins with 12 or 13 games left. And then I looked, and last year, how many games they win, Nick? 26. How many did they win two years ago? 17. So slowly, they went from 17 wins to 26 last year. Now 31. They're going to hit the over. They're going to probably win 35, 36, 37 games. This is a team where Lonzo Ball missed, what, 20 games? Brandon Ingram's been out a few weeks. Relying heavily on Kyle Kuzma. Do you remember who they had last year? D'Angelo Russell was their point guard. Timothy Mozgov started 50 games at center. Nick Young was a starter. Luel Dang started like 50 games, basically, and people are not noticing this. Luke Walton has done a great job, and I've bagged on Luke Walton a little bit. He's had some tough spots late in fourth quarters earlier this year, but again, he's got like an entirely new starting lineup and team. And you're like, well, you know, that's not bad. And then it becomes, is Lonzo, is uh, Le- LeBron James going to want to come here and join Lonzo and the Lakers? It's like, well, hold, pump the brake, pump the brakes. When he went to Miami, they were a pretty good 41 team, I think 7 or 8 seed. He goes back to Cleveland. They won about 30-31 games out of the playoffs with Kyrie. Is he going to go to the Lakers, where they're going to win about 35 games? And he brings Paul George with him. And you got Lonzo and Ingram and Kuzma. And don't scoff at Kuzma. Kuzma's going to be first team all rookies averaging 15 a game as a rookie late first round who's scoffing at kuzma oh people hear kuzma you're like oh he's going there for kyle kuzma kyle kuzma right now might be the lakers with ingram out he's their best player kcp hmm. lopez i mean kcp will show up and give you 25 and then lopez will score 25 and then they vanish the next game. right kuzma's been your most consistent player this year with uh, with the exception of ingram who's hurt right now right so lebron and paul george come and wait a minute lebron's the best player Paul George is second best. Brandon Ingram, third. And now you're relying on Kyle Kuzma as your fourth option? That's incredible. A guy who scored 15 a game as a rook, that is outstanding. So now you got LeBron praising Luke Walton while cursing out his own coach, Ty Lue. Okay? And then you got the Lakers winning 35 games after they won 26 last year and 17 the year before. I mean, folks, I I know there's people out there who think LeBron's going to go ring chase with the Rockets. That ain't happening. Nothing in LeBron's DNA has ever said he's going to go to a 60-win Rockets team. That just doesn't feel like LeBron. Do you watch how this team plays, the Rockets? Number one in the isolation stats in the NBA. Number one. I mean, Nick, I know you watch a lot of Rockets. It's James Harden dribbling the ball at the three-point line. And he waits to see what the defense does. If it's a, if he's on an island, he's taking it to the hoop. If anybody comes off their defender, P.J. Tucker, three, that's your shot. Luke Richard, Bob Mubudier, whatever, however you say his last name. I can't say it. Don't lie. I feel bad.
1: <laughs> I can't, so. He,
5: he can bang a three. Uh, you got Eric Gordon. I mean, that's what they do. Isolation opens threes. I don't see LeBron going there. He's not going to spot up in the corner and look for threes, is he? I mean, maybe Dan, Dan Toney says, hey, let's, let's uh, change things up. And, uh, you know, run through LeBron. Okay, how's Chris Paul and James Harden going to take that?
1: And Houston would just have to gut that roster. Yeah. There's a lot of
5: depth. None of those three-point shooters are going to be there. You're going to have all of a sudden a roster like you got in Cleveland with a bunch of guys who are like, eh, telling you guys, LeBron, Lakers, it's happening. Uh, Quick update, Seton Hall and Alabama. Uh, (laughs) Villanova! I don't know why I keep saying Seton Hall. You know, because I bet on Seton Hall against Kansas. Villanova 13, Alabama 12. Uh, The two fouls on Spellman are big. Uh, McHale Bridges, the lottery pick for Villanova, 0 for 1. 1. Keep an eye on that because he's being guarded by a guy, uh, the kid uh, Petty, who's very good. He had like 23 against uh, Virginia Tech. Coming up next year on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio, a New York Jets beat writer. We're going to talk
4: Jets. Third pick in the draft. That's next, but first. It's got to Isaac Lowenkron for the latest in sports. Indeed, Jason, a big trade today in the NFL as the Jets acquired the number three overall pick in the draft from the Indianapolis Colts in exchange for the number six overall pick, two second-round picks, and a 2019 second-round pick. Indianapolis General Manager Chris Ballard explained the Colts' rationale for the deal a short time ago.
1: Since Monday and Tuesday, we've been kind of back and forth with the Jets. We still wanted to stay in position in that top 10 where we could still get a premium player. And we feel like at six, we'll still be able to acquire a premium player. Plus being able to pick up the two twos this year and the two next year, that gives us four picks this year and the top 50 picks of the draft. So it gives us a chance to really replenish
4: our young talent. The second round of the NCAA Tournament has just gotten underway with an East Region matchup between one-seed Villanova and nine-seed Alabama. Villanova, a 13-12 lead over the Crimson Tide, eight minutes into the contest. Alabama's Colin Sexton, two points and two assists. Villanova's Jalen Brunson, four points and two assists in the early going. Meanwhile, in the first round last night, no you weren't dreaming. This really happened as 16-seed Maryland Baltimore County took down one-seed Virginia. Incredible performance.
2: Shock and awe in college basketball. UMBC makes
4: history in Charlotte. Jim Nance the call on TNT as UMBC won it 74-54. Jason, it is all yours. Thank you, Isaac. Back here on the big lead. Fox Sports Radio.
5: Great news, there's a quick way you could save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. So everybody, everybody's everybody been watching the NFL news today. The New York Jets move up from 6 to 3. And the reason they did that is because they don't know how to tank. Okay? I, I will never forget a few years ago, the Jets just screwed up tanking. Could have had Marcus Mariota. But had Jameis Winston. But they won a meaningless game in November. And all of a sudden, no dice on Mariota, no dice on Winston. So the Jets had to continue to roll with bad quarterbacks. However, this past season, the Jets are projected as a one or two win team. Josh McCown played out of his mind. Got the Jets what, five, six wins, and they got the six picks. So they're out of the quarterback derby. Not so fast, my friend. They just traded up to the three spot. And to make sense of it, joining me now, a colleague I've worked with. Geez, What do we go back, Brian? 15 years? Brian Costello, New York Post. 20 20 years. I've known him for Brian for 20 years. He covers the Jets. Brian, I got to say this. Let me start here. Kirk Cousins, you know, the big fish in free agency. I guess the Jets made their pitch. They struck out. And a couple days after Kirk Cousins decides, the Jets move up to the third pick. Does that mean, Brian, that they're definitely one thousand percent confident they're going to get their guy with the third pick in the draft? I don't
3: think that they they know who their guy is yet, Jason. I think this is moving up to make sure that they can get one of the guys. You know, I I think uh, it's probably too too early in the process for them to have just one quarterback in mind. And getting to number three is not going to assure you of getting that quarterback, but they might view this draft like the 2004 draft and with Eli, Roethlisberger, and Rivers. You know, you can't go wrong with one of the three. Good point. And now they're in a position to get one of those three. I All think right, that's what this tells you.
5: But, Brian, here's where I get a little worried, okay? You keep <laughs> saying three. I think it's two. I like Darnold. I like Rosen. I've seen nothing from Josh Allen to put him in that class. I mean, this is a guy who completed 56% of his passes at Wyoming. Yep. And, and, and one of our guys at the big lead wrote about – the yards per attempt and how that is a predictor of success in the NFL. And he was throwing nickel and dime stuff, okay? He's not even throwing down the field. And I don't want to hear about one game against Central Michigan. If the Jets did this and have to settle for Josh Allen, is this a win?
3: Well, we'll find out. You know, I don't think any of us know. um, know, But I think by them moving up to three shows that they think there's three guys there. I think, you know, I'm sure they tried to move up to one and tried to move up to two but probably would have had to pay a lot more to go up there, and I'm not sure those teams are willing to move right now. Yeah. Um, you know, And also, Jason, I thought of this, too, right? The Giants are at two, and the big talk right now is do they take a quarterback or do they take Saquon Barkley, right? Yes. You think the Browns go quarterback? But let's say on draft night, the Giants are sitting there. They know they want Barkley, um, and the Jets are at three, and the Giants call the Jets and say, hey, we're willing to let you come up. You know, to to two to take your quarterback because, and we'll move back because, you know, the Bills are calling us and the Broncos are calling us and they want to jump up and we don't know who they're going to take. Maybe, maybe like last year where San Francisco and Chicago flip picks for ah. to get Trubisky, they do that and they go up and get this the second guy. You know, I don't think that's crazy. The question right now is do the Jets have the ammo to do that after making this trade? I'm not sure about that.
5: Uh, now, that's interesting. Brian Costello, New York Post. But I got to say this Giants and Jets. These are rivals. Is there a history of them actually making trades?
3: No, but what, what's the risk for either side in this? You know what I mean? Like if you're moving one spot, there was a question of whether the Giants would trade with the Jets at number six, and that I thought was a little bit that would be a little bit harder. Now, you're, now the Giants are taking themselves out of the Barkley sweepstakes, probably uh, if they went back to six. But if you're just moving back one pick, and you know the Jets are taking a quarterback, and you decided you want Barkley, I don't see what the risk is for the Giants in that. That move and yeah. you pick up you're going to pick up a couple draft picks in the process
5: if, if i'm the jets i call their bluff there and say no no thanks and because yeah, uh, but, that, listen, but, brian. but
3: the jets are going to be the jets are going to be worried about the buffalo Bills. now the bills are going to have a lot harder time getting up there because they're at number 12 yeah. the giants want to move all the way back to number 12 i, I don't know about that but it's going to be interesting
5: okay so uh brian let me let me ask you this we we saw what happened with eli last year he was bad the team was bad and when they tried to bench Eli to see what they've got off the bench with Geno and Davis Webb, what happened? Yeah. The media freaked out. The fans freaked out. There was all this disrespecting a two-time Super Bowl winner nonsense. Mm-hmm. And, and the coach and GM got fired. Do you believe that the the, the new Giants regime have to delicately handle Eli Manning here? Or, or face another outcry? I, I don't think they can take a quarterback at two. Not after you no, just spent that much money on a left tackle.
3: I don't. I don't think they face an outcry, Jason. I think. I think the problem for them was Geno Smith. To be honest with you, last year, I think if they had said we're well, benching Eli Manning to go to Davis Webb, fans would have been excited. Fans love the unknown. They love young players. If they draft a quarterback, fans are going to be into that. Everyone in New York knew what Geno Smith was from his time with the Jets. Right. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> was, except even, the even if it was market, yeah, it, it would have been better for them. But, but Geno just came across town. They they all saw him, you know, as a Jets. Washout, and then you're benching Eli for that. Like I thought, that
5: was what that reaction was about. Hmm. So Eli at 37, they get him a left tackle. Yeah, do, uh, you know they they were a playoff team last year, uh, two years ago. Okay, uh, are we sure that the Giants are taking a quarterback at two? When they no, I don't think we're sure. Yeah, I, think they're, they're I don't think either. Barkley. I think you know they know I mean, I certainly do. Gettleman at the
3: combine said, you know, at like, number two, you're trying to take a guy that ends up in a gold jacket. You know, you're trying to get a Hall of Famer. Um. Does you know, as high as people are on these quarterbacks, I don't know if anyone thinks these quarterbacks are the best prospects we've seen in 10 years or 20 years or anything like that. Huh. Barkley, people talk about Barkley. It's like he's the greatest running back they've yeah. seen, you know, since Adrian Peterson and things like that. So uh, I, I could see them. I could definitely see them taking Saquon Barkley at two.
5: Hmm. All right, Brian Costello, New York. So, so Brian, let, let me ask you this. New York Jets, the last time they traded up, to get in the top five, and I can hear your phone buzzing, huh? It's pop- Things are yeah. popping there, huh? All right, so uh, last time they traded up, they got Mark Sanchez. Went yeah. to two AFC title games, but they kind of bungled the uh, salary cap after that and basically the future, and it didn't work out. Uh, what's your guess here? Are, is this team ready if they get a quarterback to actually contend for the playoffs in the AFC where there isn't a lot of talent? Remember the Bills snuck in last year.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I, I still I think I need to see more from them. Uh, I thought they've done some good things in free agency, but uh, you know, they, they're still they don't have an edge rusher. Um, you know, I still don't think they have the best weapons on offense. They need to do some things there, but they are still time in free agency. There's still the draft, so we'll see. Uh, you know, you're right. I mean, the Bills snuck in last year, so the Jets could do that, and I think a big. A big part of this every year that people kind of overlook is the schedule. We haven't seen their schedule yet because there's been years where I thought the Jets got killed by uh, the Rexes last year. They they had like a string of quarterbacks in the beginning of the year, and they got wiped out That's before they right. even got started. Yeah, that team probably wasn't as bad as it ended up, but because of that, the way that season started, they were terrible. Then the following year, Todd Bowles' first year, I thought the schedule laid out. Pretty well for the Jets, and they ended up going 10 and 6. So that's a big thing to me. We'll see that in a month. Yeah. I think we're too far to know if the Jets are a playoff, you know, can be a playoff contender. But we know in the NFL, you can turn things around pretty quickly. Yes. You know, the Jaguars yes, Jack, yep. have shown the Jaguars are the latest example of that.
5: So, Brian, uh, Ian Rappaport was on earlier. He said the Jets could have a top five secondary with Tremaine Johnson, Jay, uh, Jamal Adams. Uh the yep. other the, the other kid they drafted last year, May. Marcus uh, May, yep. Yeah. So so the secondary's good. They got Leonard Williams. you're not counting him yeah. as an edge rusher? No, he's
3: not an edge rusher. More he's of a pre- defensive, end. defensive end. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's inside more. Yep.
5: And, and and listen, I I am gonna play optimist here. will comes back from the neck injury. Okay. Uh Jermaine Curse put up Des Bryant numbers last year. Honestly, he did. And and Robbie Anderson maybe doesn't get arrested again. That that's <laughs> not an awful trio, right?
3: No, uh, there's no number one there. I thought, like, I thought maybe they might go out and try to get Allen Robinson and bring him in and to be the number one because I think they have some good talent, like you said. They, there's good receivers there, and there's just not that guy. You know, they don't have that number one guy. But yeah, they they've done a good job uh, in the last few years of adding some young talent. And I think on defense, like you talked about, they've got a pretty good young core there. If Darren Lee can work out an inside linebacker. You know, I think the jury's still out on him. Uh, he's another one you could add to that core. And their secondary looks pretty good on paper. Um, you know, We shall see what it looks like on the field.
5: All right, so, Brian, five weeks to go to the draft. I'm going to put you to it here. Uh, <laughs> who do the Jets get at three? And, again, nobody's going to kill you if you're wrong. Here. Yeah, you- yeah. No,
3: I mean, there's no way to know on March 17th. There's no way to know on April 25th usually. So. Yes, this is but- true. I'll, I'll do this for you. I'll go, Josh Allen. Oh, oh Joe Bryan!
6: Come on, man,
5: <laughs> dude. You know, listen. Nice kid, good family. I love the background, underdog story. New York's going to eat this kid up. Uh,
6: it's just McKagan no. loves
3: McKagan loves big quarterbacks with big arms. Oh my God! We haven't even
5: seen Hackenberg.
3: I know, Jeez. but that's why that's why they liked him. They loved the, the you know the big arm, and he, he looked the part. That's what Josh Allen is. All
5: right. All right, Brian. Brian Costello, New York Post. Uh, Good stuff, Brian. Thanks a lot. All right, Jason. Take care. Oh, boy. You just heard it. I'm going to be disappointed if they moved up to get Josh Allen. Uh, All right. we got to go to break here. First of all, this kid DiVincenzo of Villanova is going off. Four threes in the first 15 minutes. Villanova's up up a seven. DiVincenzo has 13. Jalen Brunson with two fouls. He's on the bench. My gosh. Brought to you by Granger, the products and services you need when you need them. Granger's got your back to help you keep your facility running. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Coming up next here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio, we'll wrap the show. A little more jets for you, a little more March Madness. If you miss my picks, I'll repeat them. That's next on the big lead, Fox Sports
4: Radio. Progressive Insurance, creators of the Name Your Price Tool. Choose from a range of coverage options and pick the price that works for you. Visit
1: Progressive.com today.
5: Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. My gosh, it's the Dante DiVincenzo. I don't even know if I said his name right. DiVincenzo Show. He's got 15 in the first half for Villanova. Alabama's playing good. They just can't stop DiVincenzo. He just had a steal and layup. I mean, the guy looks like an NBA player. He's just like this scrawny white guy, maybe like six five, nice little wing player. And he's just dominating Alabama right now. Uh early start. Bama Bama's hanging tough. I gave out six and a half first half, Bama. Come on, Todd, get me there. Good slate of games today. Uh, let me see what else I gave out uh on the show. Again, I, I did really well yesterday. And again, if you're in full degenerate mode like I am during the NCAA tournament, you can always just bet on games in the middle of the game. Like, you can sense a run's coming. Like, Marshall. Marshall yesterday is playing Wichita State. And you can tell from the first five minutes that Marshall's dictating tone. Wichita State's rattled. They're off their game. And I and I in-game bet Marshall. And they came through and won the game outright. I mean, you can see this stuff early. Yesterday, the other one, uh, Nevada. You just knew they had another run coming. Okay? Very, very tough team. And they... Fell behind by like fourteen in the second half to Texas, and but you could just tell they're going to make it. They're too good, and you watching. They just shots weren't falling, and boom, they tear it on and win in overtime. Um, So this is my favorite time of the year. You know that March greatest month on the sports calendar. I would say it's slightly better than November because you've now got NBA free agency, which is popping, NBA playoffs kind of winding down, and the tournament. Nothing touches the tournament. Nothing. Just four days where I don't leave the couch. I'm going to drive home today after this radio show here in a few minutes. I'm going to fire up March Madness. I'm going to go to my kid's birthday while watching March Madness on my phone, if need be, because um, there are going to be some dads there. Uh, and then I'm going to come home watch games. That's what I'm going to do. That's what you do in March. It's amazing. It's it's just such a great time. And now with the Jets moving up to the third pick in the draft, I mean, hell, listen, I I had a great take on the Patriots that I did not even get to work in the show. How much time we got, Nick? Can I can I get this fired off? I, I Okay, I said this to Ian Rappaport earlier. So, the Patriots let Amendola go. And what does Gronkowski send out on Instagram? Be free, all caps free, and happy. Okay? And you say, okay, that's nothing, no big deal. Dion Lewis was introduced by the Titans yesterday. He cried at the introductory press conference. He cried like tears. The video's online. Go watch it nobody's ever wanted me. Just being doubted all your life. And then the cryptic shot. They're going to feel the pain when they see the success I have. I- I'm telling you, Bill Belichick is. It ha- comes from that militant background, right? His dad was in World War II, uh, coached, I believe, at the U.S. Naval Academy for like 30 years. So Belichick grew up in that militant atmosphere. His mantra is, hey, I run the show, my way or the highway. Fall in line or see you. And I'm sorry, we're going to have to make tough moves, tough love, deal with it. And, and and that can only work for so long. You can't treat guys like the way they treated Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl. You can't do that. Nate Soldier, great offensive lineman. Nope, we're not paying him. That's just what we do. A sayonara. So now Tom Brady gets in the locker room, looks around. Belichick has banned his trainer from the locker room. He can't go to practice. Gronkowski, do I want to come back? Am I having fun? Is this fun anymore? And Brady's got to look around at the locker room, and I know they're winning, and they go to the Super Bowl, and yeah, winning cures all. Okay, Brady's going to be 41 in August. He looks around the locker room. Yes, Julian Edelman's there. They got Hogan. But that rotating door's got to wear on you. At some point, culture matters. And I look at the, at the Houston Rockets, and what they've done with Chris Paul. You know the big story with Chris Paul, the reason it never worked in L.A. I mean, there are reasons, but Chris Paul said, essentially, he told Lee Jenkins this in a great SI piece, you know, I tried to get the team together, get everybody on the same page, build like a family where we'd watch college football together on Saturdays, and we'd go out to bowling night and all this stuff. Blake Griffin ain't having that, okay? Blake Griffin's going to Vegas for the weekend to hang out with the Jenners. He's going to Coachella. DeAndre Jordan's a seven-foot star. He, He has aspirations to be in movies. Everybody's going their different ways, and Chris Paul could never get them in that family atmosphere. And he said it hurt. And so he goes to Houston, and guess what? Everybody in Houston's on the same page. They're all hanging out. They're buddies. They're buying into movie night. And what's going on in Houston? You can see the culture. They trust each other. Chris Paul's not yelling at guys in Houston, maybe not yet, the way he did with the Clippers. Remember how he'd yell at Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan? There's no yelling at anybody. They're having fun. They're a team. And I just look at the Patriots, and I wonder. Hmm, Tom Brady lost his defensive coordinator. Matt Patricia, he's gone. Josh McDaniels can't go anywhere because he was ready to go and then reneged. Belichick looks around. I mean, you're losing your coaches. You're losing your players. I I know they went out and got the kid, uh, Clayborne from the Falcons. I'm like, wait a minute. Is that the guy who sacked Dak Prescott six times? How the hell did he make the market? And then you start reading and you're like, okay, Adrian Claiborne, me first guy, wants all the money. Injury history. You know who else the Patriots signed? This went under the radar the last 24 hours. Jeremy Hill. You guys know who that thug is? And I can use the word thug when you look at his history. Look what he did at LSU. This guy's a total punk. So you're bringing that into your locker room. I'm telling you, Patriots, that culture is eroding. It's all downhill for the Patriots from here. All right, great show. The podcast will be up in 90 minutes. Come on, Alabama,
4: get there for me. Have fun, folks. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field.
1: now i'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it join me monday to friday to find out what's happening why and what it all means follow the global story from the bbc wherever you listen to podcasts
0: being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen and with resi priority notify and global dining access through my amex platinum card right this way it's nice to try someone else's food for a change that's the powerful backing of american express terms apply learn more at americanexpresscom slash with amax
1: getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more right now you can save fifty dollars on select battery tool sets real steel